I will initiate self-destruct sequencing. to episode 232 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Pauls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we're back to talk about the season finale of The Mandalorian, Chapter 8, Redemption, continuing on with the special guests. And oh, what a special guest we have this week. To wrap up The Mandalorian, it's our good buddy. You can hear him on Steel Wars. You can hear him on Star Wars Year by Podcast on both of our Patreons. And you can hear him on the incredible amount of other podcast content he produces. It's our buddy, Steel Saunders. Hey, you guys. And... Whoa. <laughs> that was... Um... That was just magical. I... I, I... That was amazing. A masterstroke. It's, it just delivered like Star Wars. It was so Star Wars in such a different way that it fit. And it was, oh, love it. Love it, Hawes. I, uh, I, I, I do have to say, um, I think this is the first time I've ever podcasted with Will. Is it? Is it the first time you and I have been on together at the same time? No, I know we did a few, it was just whores, but I get confused because my real life, because I ring Will <laughs> when I've got a cooking dilemma. So I know yeah. I've spoken to him before. Yeah, we cooked but, a turkey. Um, we did cook a turkey. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if we've done it before, but it's so weird because because I listen every week, I, I can't remember what con- conversations I was p- a part of or not. <laughs> uh I would say that two th- one of the themes of 2019 as the host of Blue Harvest helping Steel with d- dilemmas on holidays. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I know uh, thanks to your kindness, I've, I've had a chance to talk about a few episodes of The Mandalorian with you on your chit-chat show, buddy, but Mm-hmm. Before we jump into discussing the actual episode, how are you feeling about the series, like as a whole, now that it's all wrapped up? Hey there, horse. Yeah. Oh wait, my sound has just changed. I'm gonna pause it real quick. How is I feeling about? How, 
Sorry, do you mean how I was feeling about it up to now or how do I feel about it in its conclusion? How do you feel about it now that we have our whole first season of The Mandalorian? Masterpiece. Right? I I um I I I think it's I I I was listening sometimes people's critiques they don't know that it contradicts themselves. I I, I was listening to um what was it slash film i i like i love peter and like i listen to their review every week and whenever they have star wars news i listen to their podcast it's really good um and he used to live in my street which was uh i used to wave to him when he was walking his dog but uh he said oh it was good to get away from the adventure of the week stories and get back to the main storyline and that's the thing. The adventures of the week were the main storyline. Like they were gathering friends and, and and learning things about each other and, you know, getting like it, everything came back. Like I all agree. those, the first six episodes got paid off in the last two big time. Like, do you know what I mean? Like when we were watching it in real time, oh, IG-11, wish it was more of him. Mm-hmm. Bang, he's back. It's... Yeah, I, I think as like the whole eight, it is an like amazingly well paced and amazingly well laid out. So I think this might be sort of a result of something we're not used to. We're not used to seeing live action Star Wars told over eight 40 minute episodes or whatever. So I wonder if for some people it's taking a little getting used to because when you do storytelling in that format, you can take a step back from the central mystery of Baby Yoda and the Bounty Hunters Guild and introduce some other characters and do character development and stuff, you know? Yeah, I I sort of think it's part of, you know, the whole Lost generation and, you know, they they did sometimes dally off the path. Right. Like, I think with this, it, like, it didn't. It like it was going direct to its goal. You just didn't know it. Like now that you see the last two episodes, like and I think if you watch those other episodes, all of all of it will be part of building the story. Like 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 the episode with Cara Dune, just like you know, it, it's people thought it was like a filler episode, but that like that adds so much to the last two episodes. Every episode creates an emotional bond between one of those characters and the Mandalorian himself. And, you know, you start out negative with IG-11 and then you come around to a positive place. So you actually feel that loss. When IG-11 goes, it it feel it's kind of emotional. And you're emotional about the Ugnaught, too. It's amazing that in eight episodes we have become so connected to these characters yes. that you can actually feel that loss potently when, when, when they do go. Yeah, and that was the thing. Every good guy in this show or people that have turned good some great face turns um i was like very concerned for their safety in this final episode yes like i was like i was worried for everyone yeah Um, and especially with um kill um staying dead like it like he's like one of the greatest characters right and an instant classic but one of my frustrations, my main frustration with Star Wars is the lack of the ability to stay dead. <laughs> the the dead speak. 
and um <coughs> you know from, from darth maul onwards and I, I you know i don't like how he came back but he did cool stuff after he came back so i'm like oh, okay well but the whole like to have that beloved character die die like it set the tone for the final episode i was i was terrified i thought i thought this was it for the mando i did too oh my goodness and when he gets blown up and you know cara dune is telling him you know you're gonna be all right you're gonna... there was a moment in my head well i guess this is it the, this was all the bait and switch pedro pascal is done and the mandalorian is because cara dune's gonna be the mandalorian like i just thought that oh well i guess he's done i was so worried in that scene because it's one of those things we know there's a season two coming, right? So I was just sitting there going like, oh, they're about to kill him, and I don't know what they're going to do in season two. Right? Who's going to be the main character? Like Will said, it could very easily be Cara Dune, but like, does that then change it from the Mandalorian to Cara Dune? You know, I just... And then I was like, well, maybe... Maybe it'll be another Mandalorian. Like, wouldn't that be a weird twist? Is that the next season will be about a different Mandalorian? Um, what did you guys... So, I guess we'll just sort of smoothly transition. We'll jump around a lot, I'm sure. What did you think about the actual face reveal of Pedro Pascal? I thought for sure we were going the entire season without seeing him. I'd forgotten about it. That we hadn't seen him, or that we did see him, it, that it was like it was an option. Oh, right. Like, do you know what I mean? For the first couple of episodes, I was like, "What's his name? What's his head?" And then I was just sort of like, "Oh, it's just like it sort of wasn't something that was in my mind, like a, th- a whole thing of like, when's he going to take off the mask?" Right. But when that that scene started. And, you know, there's a tell in the language when he says, I can't show any other living thing my face. Right. But that that was like, I, I, I've only watched it once, but I, 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 I can't wait to take back in. Like, I always like in stories when um, respect is earned. Do you know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. Like. Like 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 when Hans like when Luke Skywalker earns Han Solo's respect, it's like yeah, my guy's got some respect now. And and when um, the Mandalorian sort of gave the droid his due, and you know sort of they sort of were at peace. It was oh, oh that was great. I think this and ep- the same. You go ahead, Will. Go ahead. Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you go. Well, I was just gonna say I think this episode did a really good job of like taking all these elements we had been introduced to in the first seven episodes and tying them up or expanding on them. Like his whole not liking droids. And then towards the end when they're on like the ferry and the lava temple, which I thought was a real or lava tunnel, which I thought was a really neat scene with like the weird droid with the, it was like if um, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory was on Mustafa. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> I, and, and, like, you know, when IG starts explaining how he's going to sacrifice himself, like, the Mandalorian gets upset. Like, I thought that was a neat little way oh. to uh, to change that around, you know, after we've spent literally in the first moments of the first episode, it establishes he doesn't like droids. He doesn't want to ride that speeder with a droid. 
and so many other things that they did in this episode and they didn't like go over the top with it if it makes sense like in some ways it was pretty subtle and uh, do you know that like I, I agree that the funny thing that i thought was the least subtle thing was hey we've got the cannon from empire strikes back you guys it's here it's the e-web they make... we're, gonna, we're, we're gonna mention it by name several times and give you a brief history of the cannon be like <laughs> hey we got this cannon and by the way it killed a bunch of mandalorians in the siege of mandalore and that was pretty good um and this is the next version right like, yeah that was its predecessor um it, it was um that, that was pretty because because when they started setting it up i'm like oh it's the uh it's the cannon from empire the mini rig that's sick and then they sort of go to the camera. Hey, it's the weapon from Empire Strikes Back. It's pretty sick. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you know, leading into this series when Jon Favreau would talk about it, he was like, you know, we kind of thought of it as like, what if you had every star, like every playing with your Star Wars toys? And there's mm. so many moments in this show where I see exactly that. Th that being a great example, the troop transport. Ah, oh, that was great. Um, you know, the the TIE fighter stuff in this one was really cool. The speeder bikes, IG-11 riding a speeder bike. Something oh, I never pause. considered. Yeah. It took a lot of self-control <laughs> not to start texting you at that bit. When, when he, <laughs> like, it wasn't even before the, the nameplate came up. And he's, he's riding a speeder bike with Yoda or Yoju, if you will. Um, and I was like, I, I got to contact Hawes about this. This is too, like when he got on the bike, like, oh, it's like, it is devastating that he's not going to be there saying endearingly blunt things for the next season, but we still got the good times to remember him by. And, oh, what about when he swiveled his body in half so, like, Yoju was behind him? Ah, uh, like, for such a limited figure, the figure I always go back to because it was my only frame of reference for what IG-11, or IG-88 in this case, would be like, and very limited on articulation and stuff. They made it way cooler than I ever even imagined how each sort of different section from his waist to his head and his arms can swivel in any way they want. And you know, the scene when he's riding into town and it shows baby Yoda and baby Yoda's like ears are flapping in the wind and he's smiling. Mm -hmm. That was me through that whole sequence. Hey, absolutely. When Yoda starts smiling, the baby Yoda starts smiling and laughing. Like I busted a big old grin and the stormtroopers are falling left and right as I was oh. riding into town. And the banter between the scout troopers right before he shows up, that's good. That's real good. I mean, for, you know, for like a, a little just Star Wars banter to stormtroopers, that was pretty good. It was like, like an in-universe sketch. It, it was. was. And like, it was, it was so fun. Like, halfway through it, I was like, oh, dude, this is like a comedic piece that still fits in perfectly. Like, it's not it's not sort of overly cooked and right. it really like explained the motivation and I guess the mindset of people like, like still sort of in the empire sort of thing. 
Yeah, like henchmen. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like like in the mob. It's like, right. oh yeah, well, you know, Jimmy got shot, and it's like, well, don't be like Jimmy. Like, <laughs> well, and it also rip Jimmy, by the way. It does a really good job in that dialogue of before you really even get a good look at Moff Gideon, like telling you what a psychopath he is. They're like, he killed his own men. And then mm-hmm. like they call in and the guy's like, he just killed an officer for talking back to him. So this might take a while. Like it does a really good job of cluing you in on Moff Gideon while being funny. And I remember some people being maybe a little hesitant about Taika Watiti directing one of these because of Thor Ragnarok and how different in tone it is to the other Thor movies, which I think is why it ended up being my favorite one, is because it is so different. Agreed. No, no, no. It, it, it's the word's not different. The, the word you're looking for is better. Yeah, and he like the way and like he, the other one had Natalie Portman. Yeah, yeah. I know, and it's still like. <laughs> It's cool that he's coming back to do the fourth one and she's going to be in it as well. I'm looking forward to that. But um, the way he handled humor in this episode, like it was still really funny. But like you said, felt totally in line. It didn't feel uh, extraneous or out of line with what we've seen so far. Like it felt a little more amped up as far as the humor goes, but not in a bad way. But the, like that speeder bike scene, like that's, it's not, like it's funny in such a sophisticated way. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? It's not Pratt Falls. It's not, um, Stepping you know, in Yoda doing something cute. It's that, that was like great comedy writing delivered, like <coughs> extremely well. Yeah. I hope he comes Even- back for another episode. Even the them trying the little mini target practice, being bored, mm-hmm. you know, like there was no dialogue in that. It in itself is funny because you're in on the joke. Like if you've seen Star Wars, the joke is that you know stormtroopers can't hit anything, and then you know it's just a little nod to that. And but it also like adds to the universe because if you noticed his, you know, his weapon wasn't functioning properly. Yeah, he shakes it, and it's got, like, a rattle in it and stuff. Yeah, and it's sort of like, this is all kind of falling apart. Yeah. And like, this isn't this isn't your daddy's empire. And if you notice, like, they're, uh, the, like, on the side profile of the scout troopers, their helmets w- weren't even fully closed together, like you yeah, see them in. Yeah, they were kind of cranked up a little bit. Yeah, like you Yeah, s- like, like he had his hat on sideways. Yeah. Um, I, I love just when they were talking, and... Um, he like swivels and sort of sits sideways on the speeder bike and it just sort of bounces in the air. Yeah. It's oh so good. Um talk about earning respect. Uh the the foundress, the oh blacksmith chick. Uh what I really liked was that she was so cool. Like she wasn't mad at him about what had happened. Like and you think about it, he was following the creed. You know, she was like, you know, you found him, he saved your life. Now you're responsible for him like a father. You know, until you reunite him with his people. Like, she wasn't pissed. She wasn't mad that this had happened to the Enclave or whatever. She was just like, this is the way. You were following the creed. Yeah, and when she stays behind to protect the culvert and whips ass with her tools and, like, shatters the stormtrooper helmets, throws the one guy into the forge. Oh, so good. And he starts melting or whatever. Yeah. He got the... 
fuck forged out of him, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, I the, will. Um, but it was good that because like a real, I, I guess, trope thing to do would be like that she just stand there and take her death right. honorably. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? Which is kind of, uh, it's sort of like, you feel like you're telling a good story, but you're not. It was um, wasted death is what it would have been. Yeah, and then she just like, just like it was, I always it hit that thing where when something's violent, I don't really watch violent movies. I, I do not like horror films. And, um, but when it's deserving, I giggle. Oh, yeah, like, I know what you like, mean. Like when um, <clears throat> this, have you guys seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I haven't. There is some very um, Tarantino-esque violence towards the end of a Tarantino film, which I know is, is, is a huge spoiler. But um, <laughs> it's so justified that I was, I was just laughing like so happily. And and when she started beating on all those people, I was I was I was like laughing, like I, I was just with pure joy. Oh my god! When IG Eleven goes through the town on the speeder bike, just taking people out. Yep. I know. I know you got you touched on the laughing before, but when and it was, oh ah yeah, and ah. like badass doesn't begin to describe this. One, finale because it's just badass in so many different parts one of my favorite things they do in this show is nobody seems action hero invincible the mandalorian gets his ass beat almost every episode he's it, taking shots on the chest you know every time yeah. he goes out there well that's why the beskar is such a good like plot device mm -hmm. right do you know what i mean because yeah. it really enables him to take a beating to be a tank to get through it is it is like you you the way they set up the like his world and you know his you know sort of video game strengths and weaknesses is is exceptionally good and like even ig11 when he gets off the bike and like he takes the couple of shots into the leg and he like falls over for a second they never make it seem like you know any of these characters are the terminator or that IG-11 was going to save the day. Right. You know, he, I mean, he did kind of save the day. I he mean, gave in a big way. The ability to, to regroup and, you know, make their escape plan. But it's not like he came in, killed absolutely everybody, and they all walked out of there slow, you know, slow. Mm. And I loved, like, within just a few minutes, we get all these character details and, and explanations, like, that the the whole uh, siege of Mandalore and the night of a thousand tears thing, and oh. that Moff Gideon knows the Mandalorian's name because he was one of the people leading the purge, and that Cara Dune is from Alderaan. Which when they drop that and they show Gina Carano's reaction, like she does a really good job with her reaction to that. Mm. It really does. Her and acting was on point in this episode. Really good. And I, I have to say that because I had, I had said before in that uh, Samurai Seven episode that her acting maybe wasn't the strongest. I got to give her credit. She was really good this episode. Oh, uh, I, 
Yeah, I always found it very like endearing. I go, I was always like, go back and get her on the team. Like, like she's so cool. Like, just she's just got this like, like cool vibe. She and how's it? Uh, last episode when she um, she busted out a bit of uh, the octagon action on that dude when they were having that laser wrestling. I, that's the perfect way to utilize that <clears throat> casting. You have somebody with a baked in talent set. Let them use it. Like mm. I remember. Um, Back in the day, do you remember that movie that Stone Cold was in where he was like a prisoner on an island? I went to see it with my brother-in-law. It wasn't very good, but you're basically... Oh, you filmed that, you filmed that in Queensland. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember sitting there and we were both going, you know he's going to drop a stunner on someone any minute now. And sure enough, he did. But yes. like with Gina Carano, like <sighs> you'd be stupid not to utilize her skills and they did it in such a cool way. Um. <clears throat> So when so, they hey horse yeah, you're one of those um, you, you don't mind buying uh, a Star Wars dolly or two around right. the tracks, right? Do do you um like I I have I don't, but I have a much greater urge to buy Mandalorian figures than like the trilogy figures. Like I think it's because we get to know these characters and, and like, they're sort of I, I feel like a lot more connected to them to say like um like oh, I can't even her name's Jay Jana yeah. Like I like Carl Weathers. I'm just like I'm I'm ready to fall on a sword for the dude. So it, it's interesting that you mentioned that because for the longest time I gave up on Star Wars Black Series. I used to be crazy for them, trying to get every single one. And then, you know, it, they became hard to find around where I live. And like part of the fun for me is going out and finding them, not necessarily ordering them online. But with mm -hmm. The Mandalorian, I've found myself buying Black Series again. Like today I ordered a Cara Dune because she's the only one I'm missing of like, the main cast that they've put out so far, you know, I, I, I think you're on to something, but I'm definitely seeing that myself where I am compelled to go out and find these characters in whatever form they're available in. Yeah. I don't know. Like I don't have, I'm thinking about the rise of Skywalker and what toys I'd want. I, I reckon I could go if they gave me like, a really nice boxed red five with Ray. Oh, that see, I would be down with that. So I haven't, or yeah, or a, like a Ray Skywalker figure with the, the new lightsaber. Yes. That could be cool. But I can't think of much else, but I'm like, Oh, IG 11 on speeder bike oh. or, 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 or cool on Blurg. Those have to be in be the cool. future. <laughs> I hope like, so. Like, like a cue on a blurg in a six inch, and I, I guess they, they sort of did it like with that heavy armored uh, Mando, but they're, they're pretty remiss not to be dropping. Like you could drop like a like one figure. A week. a week yeah like based and have it at a special place or have it online or something and like do you know what i mean if if like at the end you could you know do full like 
like late nineties WWE where you have something and then you've got the ad for like now buy the t-shirt. Like mm -hmm. Stone Cold just egg some guy, now buy the Stone Cold Suck Eggs t-shirt. <laughs> that was a great tip. Uh yeah. I, the, I'm still kind of impressed how they pulled off that heavy Mandalorian release where that episode dropped and then you could buy the figure next week and if they Yeah, had... well that's what I thought they were on. And like I, I totally appreciate the baby Yoda thing that they had to keep it um under wraps, but you know, you you can't spoil a blurg. Come on. No, I think there's plenty of opportunities where they could have done that. And you know, I'm that's what I'm hoping is that since we're gonna have a break in the theatrical movies, like they're gonna focus on that kind of thing going forward. And hopefully sometime between now and next season we do get a uh, quill on a blurg or IG11 with speeder bite deluxe set because take, I mean, take my money that I'm in for those things. Um, my question for the two of you is, do you think this is the future of star Wars more so than feature feature films? I don't know. Um, it's, I, I, I get the feeling that it's incredibly successful for them and they're pretty stoked with how it's been received, but the rise of it Skywalker doesn't... is going to cross 600 million by it probably has by today. That was what um, I was going to say is, I mean, it can't make as much money as the, the movies make, right? Like the movies make the most money. Well, I don't know really how that all shakes out because they're investing heavily in Disney plus. And if Disney plus pays off for them in a big way, that's constant income, you know, instead of income every, however long with movie releases. I don't know. I'm not a businessman in that sense, but, I personally, I just hope the future of Star Wars is theatrical movies and TV shows, and they focus on different aspects. Like, I've really enjoyed being able to watch The Mandalorian and see a new Star Wars movie because they feel completely different. They and, do. And, uh, you know, I think that variety and variety in, in experience makes both of them viable now depending on how this next star wars movie does in 2022 or whatever that that's really what it all hinges on to be honest as far as theatrical well, star wars goes I, I did a um a quick bit of math and and just say so they had 10 million subscribers mm -hmm. which is not out of the question okay I, I, I think that's you know they'll, they'll hit that pretty um in not too long. I think I had 4 million on the first day. Um, and you just say you're paying seven bucks a week. No, seven bucks a month over a year. That is 8,400 million. So, you know, 160 million shy of a billion dollars. So there's a lot of money in this streaming business. Yeah. And, and you got to imagine that their long-term goal is not 10 million. They want 50 million or higher. They yeah. want Netflix type numbers. And from what I can see from general people that are interacting with the Disney plus app, whether it be for the Mandalorian or all the other stuff, a lot of people seem real stoked with it. And you got to feel like if they can keep up this quality of original programming that they're in for a hit. As far because you know they haven't even started any original Marvel stuff, 
Um, that's not coming until next year. So I, I don't know. I think they're in a pretty good place with the app. And uh, <coughs> I, I would I would just love to see some of these stats like what people are watching and stuff and what the the ratings would be for the Mandalorian compared to the Marvel stuff. It'd be so interesting. Uh, yeah. And uh, like, I know it has become the predominant service we use in our house because if we're not watching the Mandalorian, Jesse's binging The Simpsons, watches probably 12 episodes a day. And, We've been hitting a bit of Simpsons. Yeah, and... and uh, the amount of content that they launched with is impressive. Even though there's a large amount of it that I don't have an interest in, man, it's an imp- it's an impressive amount of stuff. Yeah, but like, what, like you, you wouldn't even consider having interest in like over 30% of Netflix. If that, you know what I mean? to be honest, you know? But, but, but people, some, for some reason, judge the Disney one differently. Like yeah. They sort of expect to, like, oh, I, sh- I should be into all this. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like the app and combined with the Mandalorian and, you know, all the other content is a big hit for them so far. I have the to imagine this, they're pretty pretty pleased with it so far. The way this first season has ended, I mean, I was already excited for the Obi-Wan show, but now my expectations and my excitement have kind of ballooned exponentially because of how well the Mandalorian has come off for me personally. Yeah. And, and it immediately seeing the first episode sort of quelled any fears I had about live action TV, star Wars. Right. And like you said, like, of course I'm excited about the prospect of a a Obi-Wan show, but now I am so excited, especially now that we have a, a feeling for how that particular director works within Star Wars. She she knocked her two episodes out of the park. Mm. So imagining her telling a six episode Obi Wan show or series is right up my alley. Like, yeah, I wasn't. I, I'm sort of just lukewarm on on the Kenobi thing, but with her running it, I'm I'm like, ooh. This could be uh, pretty sweet. The, like the app is like, it's amazing. But I, I, I think one of the things that disappoints me about it is how cold it is. Like there's not a lot of personality to it, huh? No, like, like, yeah, there's just no like sort of like sort of YouTube sort of style funness about it. Mm-hmm. Like, like just like recaps or something like, like just on a, like on a basic thing, the Mandalorian finishes and then it suggests for you to watch the empire strikes back. Why not like suggest the first episode that the dark saber appeared in, in the clone wars? I, I think, like, you know what I mean? Have, have yeah. some curation. Yeah. Or you could, with this show specifically, after every single episode, I feel like there's probably a better correlation you could make to what you recommend within Star Wars than just Empire Strikes Back. Now, at the end of episode five of The Mandalorian, if you want to rec- you know, suggest Empire Strikes Back, because we all know... That's Boba Fett at the end, and Boba Fett shows up in the Empire Strikes Back. Like, th- yeah, I'm fine with that. 
<laughs> Excellent. Now, um, where where are you at with that, actually, Hawes? Like, no further payoff after I, that episode. I I reckon. I I can't see how it would be. I don't know. Do you think that was it? Could be Moth Gideon? It just doesn't seem to make sense. I don't think so, personally. Well, if it was Moth Gideon, why not have him make that Spurs walking sound when you show him again? Yeah, or even mention it. Yeah, or allude to it. Like you should. Like if his if if that was him. Like, what's the payoff with it being him? I don't think like, there is one. Like, yeah. why even put it in? Like, it, it's sort of like, like if next season he says, I was tracking you to Tatooine. It's like, oh, okay, so that was him. But that makes the show less interesting. <laughs> like, it's sort of like a negative thing to confirm. Yeah, and, and I got the feeling from this episode that he's been on Navarro since the the ship went down in season or episode 3. And I don't know, I don't know that they necessarily confirmed that, but that's just the feeling I get because all the shit goes down at the Mandalorian culvert and a bunch of mandos die, right? And they, I kind of feel like that they were trying to say that was his doing. So, I don't know. Um I feel like that thing at the end of season 5 is Boba Fett, and that's a long play that's not going to pay off until season two. Boba uh, Fett's going to track him. He's going to be the big bad in season two or something. Well, that's what I was wondering after this episode because I, I do feel like the end of this episode just sets up Moff Gideon to continue right. being the big bad. What about this horse? Okay. What if it's Boba Fett? And it's never touched upon ever again. You know, Robbo like, asked me the like, same thing. Yeah, like Dave Filoni at a convention goes, "Yeah, that was Boba Fett." No, we know we just put it in. Boba Fett's out there. I wouldn't be very stoked with that. Like, a part of me would be stoked that they confirmed, okay, he got out of the Sarlacc. He's still out there. The possibility to do something with him is out there, but it would also feel kind of like lame and half baked in a way. All right. It would right, be you, like you, never seeing the dark saber again. Seeing the dark saber in this one episode, like just never. <laughs> they just never, never bring it, it up again. Never bring it up. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> no, but like, okay, you get to tick the box that decides what is truth. Right. It was Muff. It was Muff Gideon, mm -hmm. or it was Boba Fett, and it's never brought up again. I have to choose between one of those two? Yes, Ooh. they're the only two possibilities in these alternate futures. Uh, it's Boba Fett, and it's never brought up again. All right. Because that at least leaves the glimmer of possibility of a Boba Fett movie or something, an appearance somewhere, you know? You are you are like a bearded Corey right now. <laughs> I, I take that as a compliment. <laughs> um, so, in the episode... We had a fucked up thing happen. Speaking of the app, we stayed up late to watch it, right? We watched uh, an episode of Simpsons, one of my favorite ones, actually. The episode where Bart and Mil Milhouse uh, split the Radioactive Man comic. 
Like they all pull their money together to get the radioactive uh, yeah. man comic. Yeah. So we wrap that up. The episode is up when we get done. So we start it. And right when he walks into the culvert and they show the giant pile of Mandalorian armor, we oh. got the rebuffering symbol in the middle of the screen. It oh, are you serious? Kicked us out of the episode and gave us an era every era for like four times when we kept trying to restart it. So I was Oh my God. <laughs> that 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 with nothing has happened like after the first day, I have not had an issue. <clears throat> that was our first one um that we've had and i was so upset seeing because i've had a bad feeling about those mandalorians ever since they came out and helped him out in episode you three. did you have kept saying that um and i do like that they've gone this whole show establishing how rare beskar is and that mm -hmm. the armorer lady is like i'm not letting this shit go to waste we're gonna melt this down and use this again if we have to um, so I thought that was a nice touch and I do like that they established that not all of them died that some of them could have survived mm. and they definitely left we didn't see her die so she's still alive like rule of thumb if you don't see a character die on screen they're still alive right and maybe even if you do see him die on screen last time we saw her she was very much alive yeah yeah <clears throat> so um, I really love the culvert stuff it sucked to see all those oh i can't believe i didn't bring up the flashback we've been speculating we've been doing some cock duty speculating this whole time about who would end up saving uh young mando and it turned out to be the mandalorians and they were death watch from the clone wars i didn't realize they were death watch oh neither did i i was too busy like going is that boba fett no it's not ah <laughs> uh, 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 uh. so they have the white death mark um, death march death watch emblem on their shoulder and they've got like the black and blue armor all of them do so i thought that was I, a nice touch i saw they all had the same emblem and same blue armor but i just assumed it was something i didn't realize it was death watch um what did you guys think about when he finally gets his emblem the mud horn is it a mud horn or yeah i couldn't see it very well because when i, I watched it when I watch it during the day, some of those dark scenes just, they don't show up. So I couldn't actually <laughs> fully make out what his logo was. Yeah. I guess if it was a horn, that's what it would have been, a horn. Yeah, it's it's the mud horn from like profile from the side. Like a side view of the mud horn skull. With I like, mean, I, I get it now, but I guess, because what she said when she put it on there, she was like, now you're a clan of two. I love that part. Oh my God, I love that part. When she says that. And like yeah. how she explains like the foundling thing and everything really well. Oh. done. And like the logic, like the, the, the scripting in, in this series is so tight, especially in this last episode. Like they, they give you so much information in like a really natural way. And then they seem to like fill in like logic gaps with like, they just drop in little things like mm -hmm. about how, um, you know, he won't be able to look after him. So, okay, well, now your goal, instead of training him to be a Mandalorian, your duty is to return him to his his kind. And it's just like, oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, and that section when finally they explain, like when he's like, the, he's got special powers. 
and he, he can affect things with his mind. And she's like, I've heard of people like that before. Uh, in the ancient Mandalorian Wars, they faced off a group of against a group of sorcerers known as Jedi. <laughs> Give me more of that. That is cool. Um, so Jesse brought up an interesting point here when she says, oh, "Hey, wait, yep. wait, can I can can I just I just have to ask you about that?" Okay. So just say they bring out a movie about this Jedi versus Mandalorian war, mm-hmm. which, which sounds awesome. Who's the good guys? That's a good question, isn't it? it I guess it depends. At, you could take it either way. You could take it as the Jedi or the bad guys, or you could take it as the Mandalorians or the bad guys. I almost wonder if it would be more interesting to approach it as the Jedi or the bad guy from the Mandalorian point of view, right? Um, it would be it would be crazy if they could do a. Um, sorry, everyone, about this. A, a Bret Hart in the mid nineties when he was like <laughs> when he was in Canada, he was a hero. He was the Canadian hero, but when he was in America, he was the dreaded uh, heel. And he was saying the same things, but it just, it was like, just what, what turf he was on was how he was treated. Yeah. It was, it was it's, 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 it's one of the most unique storylines in wrestling where they just go over the border and everyone would flip, but they were acting exactly the same way. And it all made sense. I think there's a really interesting story to explore with that. And you would also have like the opportunity to show that character Tar Vizsla who created the Darksaber. He was a Mandalorian Jedi, which literally <laughs> sounds like every fan fiction idea I had in eighth grade. Boba Fett <laughs> with a lightsaber, but it's black and it looks like a samurai sword. <clears throat> so yeah, they could do a lot of cool stuff with that idea. And honestly, with as well as the Mandalorian has been received i wouldn't be surprised if we get something like that down the road you gotta imagine that within that company when things are well well received they get expanded on and that you know i don't know but well um, that's the thing with this with this app they know exactly mm -hmm. what people are watching Mm -hmm. and you know you can't you can't fake the stats this isn't an interpretation this is this is, I am giving you money for this entertainment. So you're going to make more of that entertainment. Right. Um, so Jesse brought up an interesting point, and I wanted to get you guys' opinion. When the, when the armorer told him you need to, so she tells him the whole thing about the Jedi, and then she's like, he's like, so you want me to train him? And she's like, he's far too young. He's far too weak. Your only choice is to reunite him with his kind. I took that as, he needs to go find more Yodas. Um, yeah. Jesse, oh, yeah. Jesse thinks it might be he to reunite him with other Jedi. Which is a possibility. It's just one I didn't consider while I was watching it. I guess it depends on how rare they want to make the Yoda species. Right. Because if you want to leave it super rare, I guess you take him to the Jedi. If you want to make it where there are people to take care of him, you make some other Yodas. Listen, Hawes, no offense, mate. Right. But Jesse, to be honest, 
she's got a perfect score with me. <laughs> We've always had a good time. It's always great to see her. We've all had nothing but good times. But her theorizing against the scene that gets me a family of Yodas welcoming <laughs> baby Yoda back into their little Yodaville. It's too much. No buys? It's too much. Zero buys. <laughs> Zero. Yeah. Baby Yoda's got to be home in time for life day. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I know what I want. I want to see other Yodas. And if that means we lose a little bit of the mysticism of Yoda by seeing their home world or wherever some of them are hanging out, I don't care. Like, What if there's only one? It could be. Or it could, What if we come across the one Yaddle type? It could be the end of E.T. When the whole family of E.T.'s shows up to pick E.T. up from his summer vacation. All right, what about this? Season finale. Season two. Yoju is reunited with two other Yodas, right? Mm -hmm. But they're split. They're split apart and they have to go down these little caves. Yoda goes into one hole where he's safe. He's locked in there. He's fine. Then the other Yoda, he goes into the other cave. He locks himself in. He's fine. Then when the third Yoda locks himself in the other cave, all the lights like go off crazy and it's multi Yoda and just Yodas pour out of everywhere. <laughs> so there's hundreds of Yodas and the Mandalorian just gets super jackpot after super jackpot <laughs> after super jackpot. Uh, at this point, like I never going into the Disney era of star Wars, I kind of felt like, there was a few things they would never touch, and Yoda was one of those. I thought as much as well. When they bring I out, they wouldn't touch my childhood, but here we are. Here we are. <laughs> they break out a baby Yoda, and I'm all in. So at this point, give me whatever they want. You know, uh, I just wonder. I get the feeling that this show will last as long as it takes to wrap up the baby Yoda storyline. I don't see. I think it's season finale or series finale when this gets wrapped up, the Baby Yoda thing. I don't know that I see a situation where they drop Baby Yoda off, wrap it up, and then it's like, well, what's the next adventure? Well, now we got a Baby Akbar. Obviously, yeah. they wouldn't do something no, like that. No. It, it, like, at the start of the season, you may have, like, you could have thought that. Right. But it, it's too much. Like, he's. Like, their connection isn't the mortar, it's the brick. Right. Like, that's the show. It is. And, 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 like, that's, like, the totally unexpected thing about it is, you know, it's got, like, a great story and endearing characters and just Star Wars, like, you know, call-outs and, and additions to, like, the little weird things to boot. But it's, like, the heart that is, like, that's, like, the, such the hard thing to capture in Star Wars. And they've got this totally new relationship or type of relationship that fits perfectly into the universe still. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not just, you know, like so often, you know, like you see Star Wars Rebels 
and you go, okay, well, that guy's Chewbacca. That's like Han Solo with a bit of Luke Skywalker. That's Luke Skywalker. Like it's sort of like the, you, can, you, you can put together the um, like the stereotypes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this is sort of like it's such like it's such a like a unique group of characters, which sadly it seems like they're going to be split up. But God, they 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 like when when Carl Weathers or or what's his name Grief, yeah, Cara Dune, the Mandalorian, like Kuehl and Ig and Yoju, like when they were a team, I was just like, this is the best. Like, yeah. And like Danny Danny Ocean didn't have shit. <laughs> it bummed me out at the end when he's leaving and like the two of them stay behind because I thought they were going to go along with him, but they're going to be back. They're going to be back together sometime next season, no doubt. Like there's there's a reason to get those characters back together for sure. I like the idea that he takes the baby Yoda to his family and then something happens and the, the Yoda, the baby Yoda calls out to him across space and time and he has to come back to protect him or do something, you know, I don't know that there's that could be some always connection. Oh, uh, I don't, I don't actually like that. I hate it when shows when like the end goal was wrong. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Sort of like, I don't know if the whole goal was to get the Yodas back, and then when they did, it turned out that wasn't the end goal. I'd, I'd find that frustrating. I gotcha. Like, I, 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 I'd go along and see what happened next, but it was kind <laughs> of like if you spent like two seasons of a show trying to find some ship, and then when you found it, it blew up just before you got to it. I'd just be like, oh, that's very right. lost. Now that you mention it. Yeah, it's just dangling the end, the satisfying conclusion, and then taking it away from you. Right. Um, yeah. I just, I don't know, like, the selfish part of me wants this show to go on for season after season, right? But at the end of the day, I think, and I hope they approach this in a way where it's as many sto- seasons as it takes to tell the story, you know? So be that two seasons, three seasons, four seasons, whatever it is, then, you know, I just want them to wrap it up when they feel like they've reached a satisfying conclusion and not constantly find some way to keep it going because I do think that could sort of rob it of its specialness. And, you know, uh, there's no doubt that once the Mandalorian is over, whenever it happens, there's going to be something to take its place. Like, I feel like, you know, the Cassian series and the Obi-Wan series, those are mini series. I feel like they're going to want, uh, like reoccurring series, like season series alongside mini series type stuff. They're going to want something that they can get people excited about coming back year after year. So, you know, once the Mandalorian's ready to be wrapped up, I'm excited to see what's next, but however long it goes i'm I'm going to be stoked about but i'm not expecting this to be seven seasons or something like that yeah i'm like i'm so impressed with this season because it's just going into it it just didn't like i was like oh this is gonna be good but like on paper it, like i was sort of just you know yeah i just was like 
excited but not frothing and it's, it's been so much better than i expected so i'm sort of like oh yeah if they make it go two seasons then like i trust that these talented people have other very good things to show me like in 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 its place or if they think it can go for five seasons then I, I, i'm very trusting with them at the moment they have they have won my um you know my the benefit of the doubt yeah i totally agree um so <clears throat> getting back to the episode and um what little we have left to discuss i don't know if this guy's got you excited but when she was like uh have you practiced the rising phoenix and you know we saw in the trailer that he was using a jetpack at some point right yeah and it was one I of those totally forgotten that's what i was gonna say i did too um and it was weird as this episode went on like the scene with him coming out of the the building and killing all the stormtroopers the mando i was like oh that was in the trailer like i recognized it um but when she was like have you practiced the rising phoenix and turns around with his jetpack oh my god i was so excited like oh, it in a lot of ways i know I, I use this comparison will and i both have when talking about this show that in some ways it does feel like a video game where you're you're doing tasks and you get like new powers or rewards like that in like uh, level up your character basically but the way they pulled it off with him getting the jetpack and then the payoff of him using the jetpack was really cool i felt like they made jetpacks cooler in this episode than they have in some other star wars stuff oh e even in uh the third episode i think I, I didn't quite like the jetpack use. I don't like how he was flying next to the other guy, like Iron Man. Right. That's I. I, I always like jetpacks to be more like assisted jumps. Yeah. Yeah. Boost, like jump moon jumps. Like crazy. Like you know they can be like a hundred <laughs> feet high or whatever. Like you jump, go for gold. But I don't like the whole like the Astro Boy style. Um, sort of flying around. I know, is Astro Boy a reference that people know in America? I know Astro yeah. Boy. Yeah. Okay. Astro Boy. Sweet, 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 sweet. Hey, I, I I hadn't even thought about this the whole time. When he jumps on the TIE Fighter, that was amazing. It was. Yeah. yeah. Like, gripping, logical, um, like, it, it sort of was such a fresh thing to do with it, like a TIE fighter. I'm sure they've done it in Rebels and all that sort of stuff, but live action. And it very clearly wasn't easy for him. You know, they didn't make it look easy for him. Ah, oh, it was... Oh, God, this episode was good. And in the way Moff Gideon, like, tries to, like, turn the TIE fighter sharply to get him off and stuff, like, it was really well done and looked good. Like, that's... So, you know... I don't know if you remember, Steele, like when they first announced this show, you had me on a call-in show of yours, and I said, like, it makes me nervous. Star Wars live-action TV makes me nervous because it could look real cheap. We're mm. used to Star Wars of a certain quality, and I, I had a hard time imagining how you translate that to TV with a TV budget. Granted, a very high-budget TV show, but 
it looked amazing. The TIE fighter stuff looked really well. Him attaching with the grappling hook look, looked really good. Like, I thought it worked really well. And him attaching the, um, the, uh, the explosive device to the wing and taking out one of the wings was cool. And using the jetpack to break his fall. Like, they did such a good job with that sequence. It was exciting. And I don't know, man. I, I loved it. It was it was just and the way um, it was edited that I really bought into that Moff Gideon was flying a Tie Fighter and the Mandalorian was on its wing. Yeah, yeah. Like it was really you know create you know sometimes you sort of like I don't know you just don't well when 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 the, those cameos at the end of that other episode the um the Bill Burr episode I like. I'm I'm not buying that Dave Floyd is in that X-wing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's like they're uh, loading a gunshot. <laughs> um, what did you guys? So we're talking about him a little now. What did you think of Moff Gideon? I thought he was pretty scary, terrifying and psychotic, which is good for a villain. Yeah, and that's what you hire that guy to do. Like he did such an excellent job with that type of character in Breaking Bad, but it didn't feel like Gus on in the same regard. Like it felt like a different type of character, but still yeah, like there's some weird bit where it's like, uh, this guy's played by the guy that played Gus. You're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Oh, like, there definitely is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have a really hard time separating him from that character and separating. Like I do actually think, uh, that guy played Gus, you guys, I, I would not mess around because this guy is, is like he means business when he plays a bad guy. So, and it, who cares? Like it's it, it's like I'm having such fun watching him do it. But um, yeah, he, he was like, a, like a, just a sort of badass, um, just evil imperial. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, you could sort of get into he knew what the Empire was about and he liked it. Yeah, and, and I like the character detail that like Cara Dune thought he had been executed for war crimes. Yes. And he was still around. So like I guess he faked his own death or there was something, you know, to that effect that went know. on. Um and then so we haven't talked about it much, but so you know me. The end of the episode happens. He flies away in the Razor Crest after a really nice scene of him burying Queel. Um, and I'm thinking, all right, we got one last scene where they're going to show Boba Fett. Here it comes, guys. <laughs> and not only do they not do that, they did something I did not expect so much, but loved so much. He cuts himself out of the TIE fighter with the fucking Darksaber. Something... I never expected to look halfway decent in live action. Like it looks cool in cartoons, but seems like one of those things that would be hard to translate. And it wasn't, it looked awesome. I thought it did. I'm not, I'm not a, a huge Clone Wars guy. Mm -hmm. Like I, I've seen them all, but I'm not like, like I just sort of watched them. Like I didn't really fan out too much on them. So the like people, I hear people go on about dark saber. I'm like, eh, lightsaber, buddy. That's my type of saber. But when I saw the tip of that thing point out, 
and I recognized what the glow was, I was like, I was like a full horse burkhead. Like, oh, shit. It was, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, how good was, um? I've just got it playing, the the flashback, the Mandalorians, like, jetpacking in and out then. Mm-hmm. Like, good. you know me, whores. I've always been hard on jetpacks. But when um, he jetpacked off with the Mandalorian, that shot. Mm-hmm. And, and all because, the Mandos and because are it's below. A boy, like he, he, he holds him like how I hold Harry, like the full koala bear style. I was like, I, I, I forgive you for so much jetpacks. It's, um, it's okay, buddy. It's um, okay. My friend jetpacks, we, we're, we're back together. It was so cool. Like, I, I love their use of flashbacks. And I honestly think we could be in store for more of that because... Uh, so... One of the things I like about this show is I feel like it does a really good job of acknowledging other stuff that's happened in Star Wars, not just movies, but like the animated shows and stuff, like with Death Watch and The Purge. I'm watching this episode when they're backed up, when they're stuck in um, in the bar or whatever that place is. And um, Carl Weathers just starts, starts drinking. drinking shots. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> it's so good. He's he's the perfect Star Wars actor. He is. Um, so none, none of this Adam Driver being like <laughs> amazing at your craft business. I want to. I want a bit of bit of camp. Um. So. They, you know, they acknowledge a lot of like Star Wars past history in this show, and the the dark saber being so tied in with the animated series, I have a feeling we might be in for a possible flashback with yet another cameo related to that because the last time we see that Sabine gives it to Bo Katan, right? She's a a Mandalorian character that's in Clone Wars and in Rebels. And she's going to use the Darksaber as like the symbol to reunite or to unite all of Mandalore against the Empire, which apparently doesn't go so well. There's a purge that's led by Moff Gideon, and now he has the Darksaber. So things probably don't seem to work out too well for Bo-Katan. And Katie Sackhoff, who plays that character in, um, in Clone Wars and in Rebels, has been pretty cagey about her involvement in the Mandalorian. I think we might see her show up in in season two at the very least in a flashback. Horsey. Yes, sir. I've, I've got some hot sizzle for you, buddy. Uh, about a month ago, she tweeted how she had like the most fulfilling day of her professional life. Can't say anything else. Oh, come on. Oh, we know what that is. She's gonna end up being in next season. I am pretty sure now. Mm. And I I know a returning character actor has been was filming around the same time. Which one? Or can you not say? Is this privileged I, information? I can say, but it's a minor spoiler for next season. Uh, I, give it to me. 
Billy Burr. Oh! No way. Bill Burr's... Na- I, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because they made uh, an effort to, you know, show that he's still alive. Mm. But I'm real glad to hear that he's coming back. Uh, like, you know, he's left on the table as being alive, so... It doesn't surprise me, but it's wonderful to hear. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that was I, that that was through my comedy industry sources. Nice. I, I went the other route. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think they, I think we might be seeing, and I think it's really interesting that they mention the the siege of Mandalore in this episode, and in like two months, we're getting the last season of the Clone Wars, which is going to include the siege of Mandalore. Like, I really like how that lines up. Mm. Uh, I think that's really cool how they work that out. So, you know, doing that sort of tie in, I think could be really cool. Yeah. They, but they, they really need, like, I was like so stoked that it was, there's these two new things coming out and they're going to feed into each other. But I, I just feel like they need that, um, you know, that rebels recon sort of, like, like to like, they've got all these new people watching this show. They've paid for the content that's mm-hmm. just over on the other button. So why not say, "Hey, if you want to know more about this, watch Clone Wars episodes, blah blah blah, blue blah blue blah blah," and have, you know, like a the Disney Plus person or you know, like a a Lucasfilmy person, sort of like connecting the dots for people like that, because, you know, you want to use this opportunity to bring in new fans to star Wars or new fans into the, like the deeper part of star Wars. And, you know, you've got this opportunity, like it's not, it's not going to cost the, um, the customer anything more, but you're going to get them, you're going to get them more on board. And then they, uh, they might not unsubscribe if they were going to because they've got to get through all their Clone Wars and then, and then there's something new out. So, uh, Yeah, I, would, I, I really wish they would take that approach instead of leaving it to like entertainment websites that are like, oh, did you like that crazy lightsaber at the end of Mandalorian? Here's six episodes of Clone Wars you could watch that explains it. Like if they did that instead of, and it's all contained within the app, it's like you said, it just sort of feeds on itself and keeps people in the Star Wars loop. And another thing, I want extras. There's an extras tab on the Mandalorian that just has the trailer right now. Give me making of documentaries and commentaries for these episodes. And uh, there's also a, uh, a special look into uh, The Rise of Skywalker. There is. That is one of the extras for the Mandalorian. <laughs> there is. Which was. I was sort of hoping that they'll go into extras and like a, maybe like another pop-up video version or a director's commentary version like next month or in a month as like to add value to the content and keep people subscribed. Like how cool it would be to have like Favreau and um, Filoni just, just having a cup of Joe and watching the episodes. What about, what about, you know, Iger's watched him three times. He bragged about where's, yeah. where's the Iger commentary? That would be, red dude. And who knows what uh, spicy bits of information he'd drop? You know, he oh watching one of those episodes and be like, "Well, we had George Lucas on set this day, and he got really pissed at me because I made a Jar Jar joke." <laughs> George did not like that, and in retrospect, it was a mistake. Um. 
yeah, I, I hope they do do stuff like that because I don't know. Because, you know, like Netflix originals, be it like the Marvel shows they did or Stranger Things or whatever, they do Blu-ray releases eventually. But you got to think that Disney, I don't know. I don't know the approach. Do they do uh, a home video release of the first season of The Mandalorian? Does that benefit them? Because people that haven't seen it pick up that and watch it and then subscribe for season two? I don't know. And, you know, that that's... Typically, where you see those kind of extras, but I want them now or soonish. And you got to think. So, was it on your show with Dominic Pace, or was it on the chit chat episode where he mentioned they had like documentary crews there filming stuff and like doing behind the scenes stuff on set? Yeah, I think it was on the chit chat that came up. Yeah. So, they, it's out there. I just wonder how it gets released. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that. Well, what I, are you looking to see, buddy? Like, we're heading into season two, which, by the way, I guess we should mention today, uh, John Favreau announced that season two starts in fall of 2020. So it's next year, probably starting around the same time this season did, which makes sense. They started filming season two around the same time they started filming season one. Um, what do you want to see, buddy? Where do you hope this leads? I'd like to see... I mean, I, this sounds fairly minor, but for him to be attached to another droid that he likes. I don't care what it is. I mean, it'd be cool to see another IG that was reprogrammed, but with Quill gone, I don't think that'll happen. But Yeah, I wonder how the droid thing plays out in the future now that he... I don't know that that's 100% resolved, but they definitely resolved his issues with IG-11, right? Right. So I wonder how that character detail evolves or if it just sort of gets pushed to the side and they're like, well, that's done. He had his resolution with IG-11. Let's move on to something else. I don't know. And I like the idea that Cara Dune is uh, Carl Weathers' enforcer. I like that idea. Yeah, I guess she's going to mm -hmm. be a bounty hunter now. Or at least his personal bodyguard. Yeah, he, he was. she was like, I've got some clerical issues with my chain code. And he's like, well, if you work for me, I can assure you that those won't be an issue anymore. I like that a lot. Um, yeah. And, and to this show's credit, they're already developing scenarios where you're like, uh, I'd like a show about that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love the detail that she's from Alderaan. I know we talked it already about it already, but like you just slip that in. And it. besides the fact that she fought for the rebellion, it just makes... Because when he's like, it's not a local uh, warlord, it's an imperial. And she's immediately she's like, like, I'm in. Yeah. It, 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 it ties it all together and makes it make so much more sense. It really does. Not that it didn't before, but like it really reinforces that. I, I love it that. It brings it home. But it's so cheesy, but enjoyable cheese. Like just the, the that one detail is like, I'm in. Yeah. It's like... It's super cliche, but you're like, yes. Yeah. So good. Um, it's like when you turn the can of cheese whiz up. <laughs> what, uh, what, uh, what are you wanting to see next season, Steel? Um, I just want to see what they do. Yeah. Like, I'm so, like, they, like, I had, you know, my hopes for it were so subdued to what we got. So, you know, I, I just, 
like I'm just fascinated to see what they what they do. I you know the idea of seeing a um, a family of Yodas is um, perfectly in line of me wanting all the things I want in Star Wars are just rewinds of things that I've seen before, <laughs> which is. I guess Star Wars is a big problem, but um, we just can't decide on which things. And yeah, so I just like, like I'd love, I, I hope they, you know, they mix Grieve and, and Cara Dune into it, that they can be characters. And, you know, if Bill Burr's back, that's, that's going to be amazing. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I would just, if they can rework it and give us like a similar season and you know, I, I I would be up for another like one episode, you know, planet visit. Naboo. Like, yeah, yeah, Naboo would be cool. Um, maybe I, I guess yeah, I guess I was going to say expensive, but nothing seems that expensive anymore. But um, yeah, I I, I would. Naboo would be pretty good. It, what 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 other um. It's hard to think of. So the ones I think of. In, in oh, what about what about what about just for double ups? What about the episode where baby baby Yoda Yoju, if you will, meets Wicket on Endor? Oh, uh, see, Endor could be cool. Uh, I think uh, for some reason, when I start thinking of them, I start thinking of prequel planets. Now that we've already seen Tatooine, and for all we know. There could be an episode next season where they go back to Tatooine. I've seen some uh, sneakily ta- taken set photos from a trash can near the set <laughs> that maybe, but it's hard to say because so much of it looked like Tatooine from that before, you know? Um, <clears throat> Naboo, I would think is cool. Coruscant. Like, when are we ever going to see that place again? That would be neat to see post Empire, you know? Um, that 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 is now my number one because it, it would be for, it's familiar, but it would have like changed. Whereas Naboo, oh, unless I had that Operation Cinder, that didn't work out too well, I don't think. But um, yeah, the, the Coruscant would be ooh, enticing. Yeah, and they have that whole underworld, like you know, the lower levels of Coruscant and stuff, and. Like, I, I'm pretty sure by this point in the story, the Senate and stuff isn't even set on Coruscant anymore. So you got to imagine that changes that planet quite a bit as far as, like, what goes on there and what kind of people are drawn there. So, yeah, I think that could be really cool. And it's always been kind of surprising to me that we haven't seen it again. Like, uh, in The Force Awakens, wouldn't it have been just as easy to make that Coruscant instead of Hosnian Prime? I don't know. I will never get that. Um, all righty. Well, uh, I think that does it. Do you? Do either of you guys have anything about this episode you wanted to bring up before we jump into a couple of quick voicemails? Um, I'm just I'm just whipping through on fast forward here. The um, yeah, I feel like it was just so. Like the stuff with the um the founder, is that what she's called? The founder or something else? I can't remember what her actual. I always call her the armorer, but I don't know that that's. Oh, maybe that is what I want to say. It was just, it's such a good, well-rounded episode. 
um like you know it was so good then you get the tie fighter thing at the end <coughs> oh pause yep. yes i knew i knew there was something that's why i had that thing in my head remember i told you that something um made me just ball crying yes what was it at the end it was when um grief says to mandalorian like the mandalorian or there's something someone says a line about how the mandalorian will look after yoju and um then carl weathers says to the mandalorian and maybe oh no and i just lost it buddy you cut out right when you said the line what is his line he says oh oh do you want me to say it so you'll edit it or no just just repeat it oh okay um so he says um the man it sort of comes up like um you know i'll look after the child and carl weathers says to the mando and maybe he'll look after you too oh that is a good line that is a good line and, and like i have to look after my son right but he like enriches me so much and does a lot for me like mentally or whatever um that it just it, it just hit me and i was just like <laughs> that's pretty good i was um yes i um and there was one bit i i gave Oh, it was when the the founder or the armorer beat up everyone. I actually I gave that the um, I, I just clapped on my couch. <laughs> it was so rad. What about you, Will? Do you have any have anything um, that we didn't hit on, buddy? That you wanted to touch on before we? I I think we covered all my points. I was trying to think about something we didn't talk about, but we talked about most of it. That poor R two droid didn't last for very long. I but... thought he was going to be an addition to the cast there for a second. But I was like, Oh, Nope, Nope. Wrong about that. He looks <laughs> so cool though, with like he the did. arms and the, and I, she just like holds her pistol up to him and his head pops off. Oh, the only Jedi master who can crash box Giddy Cockhead Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead He's a big Surian stud He loves to split chicks with his pud Giddy Cockhead To stroke his cone and suck on his balls Giddy Cockhead What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge but he'll be pumping spooch tomorrow! Cockhead! Blue Herb! Cockhead! Hansberger! Cockhead! Will Wynn! Cockhead! Goose Paint! Cockhead! G-Money! Cockhead! King Tom! Cockhead! Joe! Cockhead! G&D! Cockhead! Cockhead! All right. So let me pull up our voicemails. I know we've got one from King Tom to kick it off with. Um, 
And I know that guy always, that good old guy, always has something cool to say. So let's hear what, let's hear from King Tom real quick. Hey there, Haas and Will. Few things. First, I've seen Rise of Skywalker a few more times, and I still have some of the problems we've talked about last week, but I really enjoy the movie. It's not not an incredibly deep movie. It's it's very much not what The Last Jedi was, and that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it, and I want more out of this crew. On to the other thing, The Mandalorian, the the last episode, I, I'm just blown away. I knew I would like The Mandalorian. I'm predisposed to like anything Star Wars. But this show is even better than I thought it would be. And I think a lot of us are feeling that. It told an amazing story. It all came together. It's, it's beyond what any of us could have expected the first Star Wars television show could be. And... And I'm really looking forward to what's next. I don't think that I felt this way in a TV show series break since Lost. You know, back when we have to go back and then cut to the credits. You want to see what next? Seeing that dark saber and then having you know the theme song start and go to the Mando credits. Just it brought me back to those days, and it's agonizing, but I love it. And I like how. It's not like a, a, one of those Marvel Netflix shows where they had to make so many episodes and it just got so heavy and bogged down. We have eight shows, or eight episodes, chapters, whatever you want to call them, and each is as long as it needs to be, and that's perfect. But I did have a question I wanted to ask you guys. The way they did it, where each episode took you to a new place except for one episode that took us to a familiar place. I liked that. And even though I think they're going to go back to Tatooine next season, what if they kept this same thing going on next season where every location is new except for one location, which is something from the other Star Wars live action movies? If that's the case, (laughs) where would you want to see the Mando take us back to? What planet or other locations from the movies? My answer would be the Ring of Kafreen from Rogue One. I really liked that place, and I thought it had a lot of potential. But there are, prob- there are a ton of other answers. I'm just curious to see what your guys are. Anyway, thank you for listening. Keep up the great podcast, and I will talk to you later. He always does this. Right. He always what? calls in with a voicemail, and we've talked about I'm telling you, he has the shining. King Tom has some kind of preternatural power. The potting. He's got the ESPN. He's got the potting. <laughs> um, well, King Tom. Considering I haven't thought about this or discussed it, I'm going to say Coruscant. I think that would be neat. <laughs> Will, do you have one, buddy? You didn't get a chance to jump in on that. I didn't, I didn't say one, but um, I think things like Dantooine or uh, uh, was it Yavin? Yavin 4? Right. Those would be cool again. Because we've never seen Dantooine, but we heard it mentioned. Yeah. Well, I wonder what they do with that. Like, And then there's some ones that have been more re- like. Uh, and I wonder if you find Yoda's family, is that planet similar to Dagobah in environment? I wondered like, that Yoda too. Did Yoda seek out a planet that was like his home planet, or did he was he going for a change of pace? I wondered I, that too. I, I I would hope it would be different because I know I saw I always thought it was cool that he was just like I think it would take away Empire if it was like oh yeah he was chill there that's where he would have lived anyway. 
He was on vacation. Right. Loved it. They, Perfect for him. There, you like the element, and I, I tend to agree with this, of like the living in an exile on a place that's not preferable to you. Like, yeah. Um, I, you know what I think could also be cool to see again is Corellia from Solo. Like, what's that place now that the Empire isn't there building Star Destroyers? Yeah, we didn't get very long there, but we saw the very, very seedy underworld and the mm-hmm. shipyard, and that's all we really saw of Corellia. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was going to say Alderaan, and then I remembered the timeline. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Seeing Alderaan in, um, in some sort of live action again would be cool because we only got that brief look at it. Um, is Bespin too on the nose? Because we saw Boba Fett on Bespin. Is my brain just like, well, I want to see the Mandalorian on, Mandalorian on Bespin. Uh, and if they go to the... I could- I could I could handle a Bespin, but just you got you got it you got to fight the urge to go down to the carbonite carbonation yeah. area. It'd be real messed up to send Boba Fett back to Geonosis. <laughs> oh, that would be messed up. <clears throat> oh man, it's, he, it's 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 cold, cold. Oh, speaking of cold, a couple of weeks ago, Will mentioned like i don't know like maybe it's not a half bad idea for the mandalorian to freeze baby yoda and carbonite so he can't keep getting in trouble um to keep him safe and then our buddy ben layton who does like really cool 3d printed figures and stuff 3d printed up a bunch of baby yodas and carbonite oh my goodness and i was like dude will would love this i would love that all right uh our next voicemail is from rick Hey, Moisture Farmers, it's uh, it's Rick. I wanted to touch base with you guys about this Mandalorian finale. Taika Waititi. Holy shit. <laughs> this dude blew it out of the water. We've had some standout episodes this season, but this thing, good Lord. Um, you know, not only in, you know, the directing, but the his uh, IG-11. I got to say, pour one out for the cockhead of droids. IG-11, rest in pieces, my friend. Um, got a question for you guys uh, concerning the end of the episode. Moff Gideon, I thought he was a badass beforehand. Busts out that Darksaber. Now, what does that tell us about um, Bo-Katan? Bo-Katan, season two, trying to get it back. What do you guys think? Um, we got a year. Just under a year. Johnny Favs just said uh, fall of next year. So, man, it's going to be a long time in waiting for uh, for season two. I'm going to let you guys uh, kind of mull on that. And uh, another quick one for you guys, too. I guess this is the last episode for the year. Uh, next year starts uh, 2020. So, quick reflections on the decade. What do you think? You got a favorite thing of the last 10 years of Star Wars? I'll let you guys think on that for a little bit. So check it out, guys. Thanks for an awesome show. Thanks for a great 2019 in podcasting. Uh, Oz and uh, and Jesse, it was nice meeting you guys at Celebration this year. I'm looking forward to next year. I will chat with you, fellow moisture farmers, soon. And to that I say, may the force be with you. Thanks, Rick. So we kind of touched on Bo-Katan. I don't know that she is going to be like a regular cast member. 
Uh, I could be wrong about that. I just I get the feeling that she's going to be like a sort of featured cameo or something. Maybe in a flashback. Um, favorite, st- I like this question. Favorite Star Wars thing of the last decade? Mm. Immediately for me. Like, I want to say The Mandalorian, but it feels unfair because we only have the first part of the series. Mandalorian Season 1 comes close to being number one, but my number one is The Last Jedi. It's my favorite Star Wars thing of the decade. Uh, What about you, Will? Will. Oh, sorry. I had coughed and muted myself. Uh, I was uh, happy that it happened. Just the sheer fact that more Star Wars, you know, episodes seven, eight, and nine even happened because I grew up in a world where that was, in my mind, not a possibility for the future at all. So the very fact that Disney bought Star Wars probably may be my favorite thing. Nice. Uh, Steel, there there were times when Will and I were roommates where I would tell him, you know we're going to get us episode seven, eight, and nine someday. Someday it's going to happen. And I'd even preface it by like, we may be old men. But eventually, they will come back to Star Wars, and he'd be like, "I don't know, man. I think I'd the story's over." George Lucas has got to die. George Lucas has got to die for that to happen. Jesus, what a morbid pairing you two, mate. <laughs> <laughs> getting asking <laughs> visions from the future, and <laughs> and Will's, <laughs> Will's predicting only death. over George's dead body. <laughs> yeah, like it. It sounds like a. I don't know, like a, a sequel to Looper or something. You've got to, <laughs> got to kill George Lucas to make the uh, the prophecy come true with all Star Wars films. To make the Star Wars happen. Jeez. All right, Steel, favorite Star Wars of the decade. What you got, buddy? So, a- actual, like, Star Wars, like, piece of media? Do Anything. You mean? Anything Star Wars related that happened between 2010 and 2020. Oh. Can, can I claim. 2015 as a year yeah absolutely i i that was just wild Mm. it was the best um yeah the force awakens year the lead up and yeah that was that was the best i just amazing adventures I, i i maybe in a like in watching something maybe when Snoke got killed. Oh, what a good, what a good moment. Mm, that's as, a good... As, as far as just being like thrilled um, as a Star Wars fan. Oh, and even watching, um, we, we went to this press thing in Sydney before The Force Awakens came out and saw the, um, from when Finn's drinking in the water on Jakku up until when the Millennium Falcon goes into space. And I, this is like a YouTube video that I made of it. Mm-hmm. I think it might even just be on my other YouTube, not, not my Steel Wars one, but my personal one. But um, I was, it was just, crazy to get this slab of star wars shown to me by introduced by harrison ford mind you but it was like like it was just it was just like this crazy thing of just like confirmation that 
like there was a Star Wars movie coming out in two weeks, or and it was going to be pretty good, right? And it was like so Star Warsy, but but different. And I, I like one of my favorite memories of the premiere night with the big audience was when at the end of that scene, like because I was like. I was, I was really excited for other people to see it. Like I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be sick that during this bit, I can sort of just take in how excited everyone else is. And as the Falcon flew into space, the audience just spontaneously burst into applause and oh. just clapped. And I was like, I remember looking around sort of nodding going, yeah, that's right. That is good <laughs> like that, like you guys are, you guys are all right. Yes. And then I saw it again a couple of days later and it was in like a, a premium, like a, one of those cinemas where it's only like 36 people mm-hmm. and, you know, you get nice like food delivered and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, no one clapped. And I was like, dicks, you rich dicks. Buddy, that's where we went to see The Rise of Skywalker was one of those type of theaters. Yeah. And I think our row was the only people clapping and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a little odd at first because I just went along with it like I normally do. You clap and and whoop when you see the Lucasfilm and a long time ago and a galaxy far, far away and stuff. But yeah, uh, it was once again one of those really nice seats with the delivery food theaters and stuff. It was interesting. I guess uh, it draws in a different crowd. I don't know. It was swank. Uh. All right, we got one more voicemail, and then we can uh, we can wrap it up. This is from Jim. Hawes and Will, how are you gentlemen doing? Uh, man, what a great week for Star Wars, huh? Um, that Mandalorian episode, woo, Blacksmith stole the show, throwing that dude into the forge, going him with that hammer, going off, and uh, once you threw that guy into the forge, was he like insta-melting? What was up with that? Or is there a hole in there? What happened? I don't know. But uh, I like to think that he was melting super fast like a damn Lego man or something. But anyway, um, I actually wanted to talk about the Mandal... Uh, I'm sorry, the Rise of Skywalker and how it made me feel with... Uh, so when I saw The Force Awakens, I had this ang- anxiousness to, you know, open that it's good, all this stuff. And I compare it to a two-hour delay at school um, and you've got this feeling in your stomach where it's exciting, but, you know, there's still, like, this dread or worry. And when I first saw Force Awakens and the stormtroopers were getting off of that transport and, uh, you know, they, there was that toothy uh, villager screaming and stuff, I'm like, this does not feel like Star Wars, and it, it, it's just awkward. And... Uh, by the time, you know, I see Ray, she sleds down the hill, and uh, make, by the time that bread expands, I'm like, oh, this, I, I'm right at home. Let me just get into bed, because school's out, you know what I mean? And I just this <laughs> feeling of it, but with Rise of Skywalker, I got the same feeling uh, going in, but it was just nonstop, like, I could not concentrate, it was just so crazy, and... Uh, then when they had the, they fly now, that whole skit, uh, then I like relaxed. I'm like, oh, it's, uh, this feels like Star Wars. And then back to it, 100 miles an hour, boom, boom, boom. 
and I just knew that I'm like, well, this isn't going to win any awards if you got to cut the, the the scene every like you count to three and it changes camera angles the first bit of it. But um, but then I see it again and it's like, man, you know, it's so much. It it, it demands being rewatched. And it's for Star Wars fans because it's so hard to keep track of everything. But once you see it a few times, it's not at all. I think I've seen it about five times, and now it's like assimilated in my canon. I really enjoyed it. Really, really liked it. It's not too fast once you uh, get used to it. But, uh, my uh, my apprentice had a question about um, Moff Gideon. He was wondering if he could use the Force. I, I said, I don't think so. But I did not think like that. Uh, just because he's got that, you know, confiscated saber doesn't mean he can use the Force. But, um, I and I wanted to know, do you think if they released the Mandalorian uh, two days early so that it would help people wrap their mind around um, Force healing, because uh, I really can't think of another reason why they put it earlier. I, I don't understand, you know. But just want to hear your thoughts. Uh, happy, Merry Christmas to you guys, and uh, have a happy new year, and ignite that green. See ya. Um, yeah, I don't think it means he, ha- he has to be able to use the Force, because mostly everybody we've seen use that lightsaber hasn't had the Force. Because, like, pre-Vizsla, who is also voiced by John Favreau, in Clone Wars uses it. He doesn't have the Force. Bo-Katan doesn't have the Force. Sabine doesn't have the Force. Really, the only person we've seen use it that has the Force is Maul when he gets a hold of it in Clone Wars. So, yeah, I don't think that means he has to have the Force. Um, he had a second question, and I hmm. fucking forgot what it was. Oh, Why'd they release the Mandalorian two days before Rise of the Skywalker? Rise of Skywalker. Um, I I mean I think it's a nice little bit of like symmetry that the Force healing was in Mandalorian and then we see it in Rise of Skywalker, but I don't know that that's necessarily the reason. I think it's more that they wanted to get that episode out before Rise of Skywalker came out, so they didn't like because you don't want a new episode of your Star Wars show coming out the week you know after the movie's premiered i guess the day the movie comes out i can see why you don't want those two things button up against that you trying to give it its best chance for each thing to sort of have its own moment i guess is what i'm trying to say do you either of you guys have a, a thought on that I, I would you know one scenario could be like i will put it out early people will watch it and then they'll be keen for more Star Wars. Yeah. Like, rather than, like, people don't get to go to the movies on Thursday. And then Friday they could go, oh, this is, we'll stay home and watch The Mandalorian. Yeah. <clears throat> like, may, maybe. I don't know. Well, and, and you know, they also include that, put that clip on it, too. It Like, it, it could have been a double thing where it, like you said sort of acted as promotion for the movie um that would make a lot of sense too i think that's kind of what i think yeah i mean like maintaining hype it would be my only idea yeah and i know a lot of people have wondered like why release the mandalorian so close to the rise of skywalker but 
I think it actually kind of worked in their benefit because it got Star Wars out in the public consciousness in a positive way where the Mandalorian comes out. So it builds up this hype about, oh, there's a pretty good Star Wars TV show out. And then there's millions of Baby Yoda memes out there. So, like, it sort of inflects. Yeah. Keeping it in the public consciousness in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah, I think it actually worked in their favor that way, if I had to guess. I don't know. All right, guys, so here's the deal. Sorry to cut in like this. Um, We have a massive amount of emails and voice messages backlogged, right? And uh, I don't want to keep you guys waiting. You guys are awesome. I love that you want to interact with the show. I love hearing from you guys and hearing your thoughts and opinions and things. So what I'm doing right now is I'm cutting in to this... um, regularly scheduled blue harvest production to take care of some of these emails because we have so many i you know i don't want to take up too much time of our special guest and uh i also want to make sure you guys get your stuff through and we're so behind because the past two episodes right two maybe three we haven't been able to get to emails so uh, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to get some of these answered. Hopefully, we can get through all of them. And then next week, going into 2020, how crazy is that? We'll be all caught up. So, uh, you know, I think I've got about an hour, maybe an hour and a half before our guest and Will are ready to record. So this episode is like the, the that new show, the that, that Witcher show on Netflix. The timeline's all over the place. So... Let's jump in. First up, we have a question from our buddy Chandler. He says, hey guys, I'm trying to figure out the best way to get Disney+. Plus. I know I can get it on my phone, but wish to get it on my TV. I'm currently in the market for a new smart TV. Are there any out there that would be compatible with the app? I've been to Walmart and Target looking at Roku's, and when I ask for help for employees at these stores, they are no help. I really do not want to buy something that will not work, not in the market for any of the game systems. Any suggestions? Halls, help me. You're my only hope. Okay, buddy. So you have some options. Um, at the end of the day, you need a device at the very least, that has Hulu capability. And I think most smart TVs uh, have that built in. I know, for instance, one of our TVs is a TCL. It's kind of like a mid-range 4K TV. It's not like the super fancy fancy. Um, It's got Roku built into it. Roku, so... If you have access to Roku, you'll be able to download the Disney Plus app onto your Roku or your smart TV. Uh, If it's got Amazon, you'll also be able to download the app. Or you could get an Apple TV to plug into your TV, and you can get the app that way. Or, like I was saying earlier, if you have access to Hulu on any of these devices you're looking at, then you can sign up through Disney Plus through Hulu. So you have a lot of options out there. Um, I'll say this. As far as Roku's go, so we have Roku built into our TV. And on that TV, I have my Xbox hooked up. Xbox is what I typically use for any streaming. Netflix, Hulu, HBO, Disney+. Plus. 
whatever, you know, Amazon Prime TV, whatever it may be. So I always check that first, right around 2 a.m. when The Mandalorian is supposed to be going live. And nine times out of ten, it won't be up there, but it'll be on Roku. feel like Roku seems to um, update more regularly, or, or faster, I guess. Not regularly, but it, it, it gets the update for the new episodes faster, if that's something you're even worried about. So there are some options on there. Also, I think, if I'm not mistaken, on the Disney Plus website, there's a list of compatible devices and services and things like that. So check those out. If you have any more questions, obviously feel free to write back in. And I'll help you as much as I can, buddy. I hope that was helpful at all. All right, next up we got an email from our buddy Willis. Now, Willis, he brings... He brings some ridiculousness, and I mean that in a good way. If, if you guys are familiar, when we had King Tom on uh, a couple weeks ago to talk about an episode of The Mandalorian uh, with Jesse, King Tom, or King Tom, Willis is who wrote in and had the crazy, like, hypothetical uh, thing about Yoda getting down and having a handlebar mustache and nipple rings and stuff. And Willis, I don't know if you saw this, buddy. Uh, but a, a fellow moisture farmer, listener to the podcast, did an amazing rendition of um, of that mental image you painted for us all. And I'm trying to pull up his Twitter right now. So before we get to your email, I want to give this guy a plug. Um, and okay. So his name is Steven, but he's at N-I-S, no, 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 at N-I-N-S-E-G-A-T-I-O-N, Ninsegation, right? And if you go under his media tab and scroll down a little bit, you will see your email about Yoda, sexy Yoda, come to life. December 7th, oh, he's wearing the leather chaps. He's got that some kind of look on going on in his eyes. It's great. So anyway, this is what Willis has to say. Ahoy hoy. How would you feel if they slowly teased Boba Fett for eight seasons? And then in the final episode, he went out like he did in Return of the Jedi. To make matters worse, the Mandalorian will witness and say, Boba Fett, huh? More like bitch Fett. To add jizz music to injury, Mando would then grab Max Rebo's funky space horn and wail on it for the entire remaining 23 ep- minutes of the episode. While I'm here, I'd like to defend the casting choice for Toro Calican. Ooh, Toro. I saw that guy. When I saw that guy, I immediately thought, this guy is dread- dreadful. If Mando teams up with him, he'll betray him, but he has no choice because he's desperate. I thought that because betrayal by a young, hungry gunslinger is a Western trope. So I ask you, how can you say it's bad casting when one look at the fucking douchebag's eyebrows told you the entire plot of the episode? May the force be with you, Willis. (coughs) Willis, why would you do that to me, buddy? You know I'm so excited about the prospect of Boba Fett showing up in this show. Oh my god. This is like Will. You know what Will always tells me, and he doesn't say he doesn't say this to me to get under my skin. He legitimately thinks this that they'll have Boba Fett show up for one episode and die. So basically, exactly what you're saying. Oh my goodness! 
I still don't like Toro Calican. Fuck that dude. Fuck that actor. He's a douche. Character's a douche. All right. Let's see who we have next. All right. Next up, we've got an email from Shay. Hey, Halls and Will. I feel like this is lame to say, but I'm going to say it anytime. Long time listener, first time emailer here. Not lame at all, buddy. Thank you for writing in. We love hearing from people for the first time, second time, 100th time, however many times. I've been listening to the show for about two years now, and I really appreciate the perspective you guys bring to the Star Wars discourse. Blue Harvest is my favorite thing to listen to on the subway, to and from work, or on my way to martial arts class. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, everybody. Shay's going to be fucking doing some Krog Magar. Some Muay Thai. That man. If I could take a martial arts class, it'd be Muay Thai. They'd be like, look at the fat white Tony Jaw, everybody. Woo, look at him go. Throwing elbows and knees around everywhere. All right. I feel like I need to preface this by the... By saying, I've been a Star Wars fan for all my life and have thoroughly enjoyed pretty much everything from the Disney era. Yes, even The Last Jedi. However, with all the behind-the-scenes drama and talk about the future of the franchise, I can't help but think Disney could have done some things differently. I think we can all agree that Disney kind of blew its load releasing too much Star Wars content right out of the gate. But what if the problem wasn't the volume of content, but the way they released it? Lately, I've been thinking that Disney could have benefited from just focusing on the sequel trilogy and familiarizing audiences with the new characters and era before jumping all over the timeline. Think about it. Within the span of four years, we back, bounced back and forth between the Age of Resistance to somewhere between the Age of Republic and Age of Rebellion, and that's only the theatrical content. I know hardcore fans and comic book readers are used to this kind of jumping around, but do you think it may have been too confusing for general audiences? I remember my former co-worker wondering aloud why Ray, Finn, and Poe weren't in the Rogue One trailer when it dropped. Yikes. <clears throat> also to my point, I'm loving The Mandalorian, but it's definitely stealing some of the rise of Skywalker's thunder. Why did they release a show set five years after Return of the Jedi in the weeks leading up to the movie capping off the Age of Resistance era? Again, I'm loving all the Star Wars content, but with everybody evaluating what went wrong after Solo failed to meet box office expectations, I couldn't but help wonder if things got too muddled for the average Joe. What do you guys think? Anyways, I can't decide if I'm more excited about seeing my my wife Ray whoop some ass in the Rise of Skywalker, or the Mando finally get his jetpack. This is the way. All the best from Brooklyn, New York. Shay, like the stadium. I think I got it right. Am I gonna have to listen back and make sure I got his name right? I think I did though. Um, so, um, let me think here. I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, and I kind of wonder for the sort of health and cohesion of the sequel trilogy, would it have been better if they were three years apart, like they were back during the original trilogy and prequel trilogy days? I don't know. I know my impatient ass hasn't minded the, you know, the steady influx of Star Wars stuff, but you, you know... Also, like he's saying, I don't think you can discount that it may come off a little confusing to some of the more average theater goers. Um, I don't really know. 
it is tough and and i know for a fact like he's talking about his coworker here that um his coworker was confused when the trailer for rogue one came out wondering where like um ray and, and all the characters from the force awakens were and i experienced that personally when i went to the theater with my mom and dad to see rogue one like my mom like a few minutes in was like this isn't about the characters from the last one is it like she had no idea my dad caught on a little more quickly because he's a little more tied into the whole star wars thing uh i don't know It's hard to say. There is some secret mix of bad decisions that I don't think you can bl blame any one particular decision or event on that led to Solo not doing too hot at the box office. I don't know that Solo was ever destined, destined to be a one, one and a half billion dollar movie. Uh, and that's not necessarily a strike against it. I just don't know. But I think it could have done way better. I mean, The Rise of Skywalker almost beat Solo's entire take in a single weekend. Um, but, you know, a mix of marketing, releasing it in between, or, yeah, basically in between Deadpool 2 and infinity war which were both really anticipated movies um releasing it so fast after the last jedi i don't know i think it's a mix of all kinds of different things that sort of led to it not doing as well uh i'll say this i am very interested and very nervous about the next phase of star wars because like, I, I think as of right now, you know, as I'm recording this, the rise of Skywalker is close to, to crossing 600 billion, billion. Oh my God. 600 billion, six, 600 million. Right. Which pretty much I think will ensure that it'll cross a billion. Be interesting to see if it gets to like last Jedi level numbers or passes that. I've always said that I thought it would fall somewhere in between the force awakens and the last jedi as far as how much it made at the box office um but i don't know um and i kind of know don't know where i was going with all that the fuck uh oh yeah, okay so we'll, we'll we'll try to steer this back on track do i think the mandalorian releasing so close to the rise of skywalker <clears throat> is stealing some of the rise of skywalker's thunder i don't really know that it is because and, and obviously this was sent before the rise of skywalker came out by like a week so it's easy to look back on retro in retrospect but it kind of seems like maybe it even helped a little bit because the mandalorian came out and was so well received and everybody's talking about baby yoda and doing baby yoda memes and stuff that it like, not necessarily has anything to do with the Mandalorian and, or the Rise of Skywalker, but it gets Star Wars out in the public consciousness and it, it gets it out there being talked about, you know, pretty favorably. 
So then when it comes time for the new movie to come out, people are thinking positively about Star Wars. They're hearing about Star Wars. They're just like, oh, there's a new Star Wars. I'm going to go see that. This, of course, is talking more of the casual Star Wars fan or your average moviegoer. You know, not us. Not us types that, like, listen to friends and strangers alike discuss Star Wars at nauseum and, 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 you know, really dig into this stuff. Um, but yeah, I wonder if in the long run it'll end up have, having helped. I think the clear reason why it came out when it did was they wanted a big flagship live action series to kick off Disney+. Plus. Um, and maybe the Marvel stuff wasn't far enough along. Like I think some of those have just sort of recently started shooting. They're not coming out until like next year. So without like a Marvel flagship series, they wanted that one thing. And I, I think, you know, John Favreau's idea was strong and he's a trusted name within the company of Disney. He's produced two well-received, uh, remakes of like Disney animated classics. Um, and their first live action TV show on their streaming service is a huge hit. So yeah, I think it was just ready to go and they needed that thing. So the Mandalorian was it. All right. Uh, next up, we got an email from our buddy, Neil. Hey, Halls and Will. I don't know about you, but I think this was my favorite episode of the Mandalorian yet. So he's talking about episode six. So many good callbacks like the Deveronian, the X-Wings, and the Zero droid reminding me so much of Forlom. also really like the fact that as this episode progresses, you think the Mando is killing each team member one by one on the New Republic prison transport and then completely subverts that by showing them all in the cell together before the credits. My only concern is how are they going to tie up the season in two more episodes? I trust wholeheartedly in the direction of John Favreau and company, but I'm left wondering how it will be possible. What are your thoughts regarding on how it will end? Your friend in the force, Neil. Um, well, Neil, hold on, let me get my crystal ball out here. Shamana, shamana, shamana. I think the Mandalorian's going to use his jetpack. Moff Gideon is going to have a dark saber, and they're going to leave the season finale off with him going to try and find. I assume the home of the baby Yoda species, the Yoda species. Obviously, because I'm I'm lame and I'm reading this late, we already know the end and we already discussed it and I'm recording this shit all out of order. So sorry, buddy. I do agree with you, however, that episode six of The Mandalorian was kick ass. I honestly haven't hated an episode yet. I've enjoyed them all fairly well. I have favorites and least favorites, but... Still enjoyed the series as a whole. Very happy. Very excited to see where it goes. And stoked that it's next year. Fall of next year. All right, next up we have a email from our buddy Josh, a.k.a. Billy Bob, who we ran into at the theater when we went to see The Rise of Skywalker. Always nice running into that dude. He seemed pretty stoked on the movie. So, hey, Halls and Will. That was cool seeing Mark Boone Jr. in the new episode. Once again, he's referring to episode six of The Mandalorian. Um, One of my favorite actors now because of his work as Bobby Elvis in Sons of Anarchy. 
Um, very good episode, and why the hell make it a point to make baby Yoda even more cute and more adorable than he already is every week? The ending was awesome, and I will just leave it at that in case the moisture farmers are still trying to get the episode watched. Can't wait to see how they finish up the season over the next two weeks. Jank. Just can't believe it's already over with. Anyways, I know this is a reaction episode to the weekly episode for The Mandalorian, but I wanted to change subject for a second and ask two of my favorite Star Wars fans a question. I love Star Wars and I have my favorite characters, but what I am really the biggest fan is the starships and the space battles. My question is this, would a Star Wars-style Top Gun-style movie work? I would be all for that, but just wanted someone else's opinion on it. I'm not sure if something like this has been done already in the Legends stuff or not, but it just seems like it would be a fun movie. The more X-Wings and TIE Fighters, the better for this guy. You buddies have a good weekend, and I hope to see y'all at the X Episode 9 premiere Thursday night. Until then, may the Force be with you both, Josh. Well, you did see us, and it was good to see you, buddy. I'll say this, Josh. I would love... I don't even think a movie... I want a Disney Plus series about X-Wing pilots and stuff in the Star Wars universe. I would think that would be so cool. Um, as far as Legends and stuff goes, I don't know if you've ever checked them out, but if you haven't, something tells me based on your email that it would be really up your alley. There was a long string of X-Wing books uh, I'm sure you can find a light, uh, a list on Wikipedia or Wikipedia um, of them in chronological order, but they're pretty good. They're they're actually some of my you know more favorably remembered legends books. So if you're ever looking in for something like that, check those out, and I think you're really digging. And I do think uh, an X-wing series type thing on Disney Plus would be cool, whether it's you know, original trilogy era with Rogue Squadron or sequel trilogy era with Black Squadron. I don't know that all these people would be involved, but how cool would it be if you got a Disney Plus series set before The Force Awakens or in between The Force Away, uh, uh, The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker and it was Poe whipping around in his fancy orange X-Wing, the new one. Uh, you could have... My man's Greg Grumberg back as Snap Wexley. Um, depending on where it's set, you could even have our boy Elo Atsy in there. Asty. Elo Asty. Always fuck that dude's name up. Uh, but I could, I think that could be a lot of fun. So maybe that is something that we'll have in the future. Okay. This is from Josiah. Well, you guys, you pretty much convinced me that it is, in fact, Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. My question is, how would you feel if this shadowy figure turns out to be someone who's wearing the famous armor but is not actually Boba? I'm hoping for Boba in Season 2, but the only other semi-logical explanation for the sound effects would be someone else wearing his stuff, and I know we've gotten hints of that in Aftermath. How would you feel about that? Thanks, Josiah. Well, buddy. Um... It may not make me super popular with like hardcore Aftermath fans. I don't dislike those books. I think they get better as they go on. And there's a lot of good in all of them to be had. But this is a situation where uh, I'd rather them just ignore that. I don't want Cobb Vanth and Boba Fett's armor. I know that's sort of hinted at in, in 
in Aftermath, but I'm not a fan of it. I'm just be honest. I, I don't want a dude in just Boba Fett armor. Even though, and I, I know that sounds a little weird for me because my initial attraction to that character was he looks awesome. He's got awesome armor. Um, But, you know, in the years since that, we've gotten all the Boba Fett backstory and the prequels and the Clone Wars and things like that. And it just, I'll be honest, I want this to be, I want this to finally be Boba Fett's time to actually shine in live action. And by shine, I mean not just look cool, do something badass so I can stop hearing the age-old justifiable tale of Boba Fett doesn't do anything. Why do people like him so much? I get why people say it. I'm just, let's, let's turn the page. Let's turn it around and give him something cool to do. So my preferred Boba Fett appearance in the Mandalorian, which I had totally written off as ever happening before they did that shit at the end of episode five is for it to be Boba himself and not someone just in the armor. All right, next up we have Fernando. Good evening, Halls Will and special guest. Well, unfortunately, it's just me right now. I'm digging the Mando. This is also about episode six of The Mandalorian, this week's episode. Um, I watched it this morning at 7 a.m. with my son Alejandro and my wife before school. It's really become a Friday event for the family, and I'm not allowed to watch without them. That being said, I hope that the last two episodes are more of a cohesive story. Well... I think you should be pretty happy then. Although I love the planet hopping, I want to see Mando, Kara, and IG-11 battle out Moff Gideon. Once again, I think you got to be pretty happy. What are you expecting the final two chapters to look like? Thanks for reading this, and also you made Alejandro's day when you played his video. May the Force be with you, your friend Fernando. P.S. I hope we see Sabine and Ahsoka in live action. Maybe season two. Um... I wouldn't put it out. I wouldn't make, say it's a impossibility that we see Ahsoka and Sabine at some point. Although I just get the feeling that Dave Filoni wants to wrap up Ahsoka's story or continue his story, her story in animation under his like own personal thing. Like, you know, the Mandalorian is kind of, you know John Favreau's thing and he's got a lot of creators and it seems like Dave Filoni is very heavily involved but I just wonder if he wants to you know wrap up the whole Ahsoka thing in that show versus like an animation show that can more greatly focus on Ahsoka or who knows maybe he'll even do a live action Ahsoka series for Disney plus who knows like things could get crazy but I just don't know I guess I just don't know that he would want to do that in this story as opposed to something that can focus on Ahsoka a little more. Now, Sabine, that'd be interesting. And it seems like it could be possible uh, given her collection or connection to Mandalore. I think right now, having seen the finale, that our best hope for seeing one of those Clone Wars characters in live action is probably Bo-Katan since she was the last one. We saw with the dark saber and there's some explaining to do how it changed hands. So 
Wouldn't be surprised if we see her show up next season. All right, next up is our buddy James Jarko. Hey, guys. Hopefully, I get this in time for your recap of Chapter 6 of The Mandalorian. I think you did, buddy, but we ran out of time to discuss this. So, once again, so sorry to get into it for you so late. I have a few thoughts about the series so far as well as moving forward. The show is beginning to turn into exactly what I didn't want it to. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love watching it. However, the last few weeks, it seems to be coming the bounty of the week with minimal uh, progress towards what we all thought the main story was going to be. Who wants the child and why? Again, I love the show, so I don't want it to sound like I don't. I guess I'm just a little disappointed that it seems to have lost sight of what it was building towards. What are your thoughts on the direction it's going? Um, once again, I'm, you know, I've got the benefit of having seen the whole series for a season now, and I guess I don't really feel like there were any extraneous episodes. I feel like it's all, when you take it as the whole first season, led to these different moments, you know? And I feel like this is one of those things we're going to have to get used to in like live action serialized like television for star Wars is we've got more room to breathe. Now we can do more character development. We can devote an episode to cool things like showing us Tatooine again, you know, several years after a new hope and things like that. So I think that's one of the benefits of this show, and I think it's something we're going to have to get used to because it's not something we've really gotten in live-action Star Wars because you have a limited amount of time in a trilogy or a single spin-off movie to tell a story, you know? And you sometimes you try to cram a whole bunch into one of those movies. You know what I'm saying? So... um you know what I'm really excited to do is, and I don't know they'll have the time to do it this weekend because Jesse's got family in town that we're going to visit. And let's be honest, I got video games to play at some point and a Star Wars to go see in the theater again. Um, I can't wait to, on one of these long work from home days, like sit down and binge all eight episodes in a row. I know that's a lot of time, but man, I want to watch it like it's one huge movie. That would be fucking sick. All right. Um, also, I had a thought after hearing Rogue One and wanted to float this out there, Halls. Johnny asked you how you'd feel about Boba Fett being a potential, potential antagonist in season two. What if this is the direction they go in? Mando has in his run-in with Gideon, who he is then trying to protect, protect the child from the end of the finale Fando, Mando Fando that's me I'm a Fando is attacked by someone and knocked out cold camera pans to the child being lifted up and then we see the helmet of one Boba Fett cut to black seasons season two's premiere opens with the Mando being taken in by Fett but Fett is cut off by Gideon who wants the child melee ensues and Fett is pissed the end of the episode shows Fett and Mando joining forces to take down Gideon and his squad so instead of Boba as the antagonist we have a begrudging alliance between the two for a greater cause yes seven more episodes of the Mando Fett team up thoughts 
Sorry for the extra long email. Hope you have a great weekend, and I can't wait to discuss a new Star Wars movie with you next week. This is the way. Um, Look, I would love... I would love if it eventually leads to a Boba Fett-Mando team-up. That is... Right up my alley. Um, and given the end of this season, I think they're just reestablishing or you know like super establishing i don't know how you want to put it moff gideon as the main antagonist so i don't know maybe moff gideon hires boba fett to find the mando you know maybe that one little scene in episode five was our little hint that boba fett is still out there doing his thing and maybe moff gideon is like well when Darth Vader went after Han Solo, that Boba Fett guy really paid off nicely. So I'm going to get in contact with him and send him after the Mandalorian. But if they, if it's one of those classic, they fight, they make up, and they become like, like you said, begrudging allies. Ooh, I could get behind that. I could get behind that quite a lot. All right. Next up, we got an email from Colton. Hey guys. Hope y'all are doing well. It's Rise of Skywalker week, so this email can sit for however long you need it to. I heard and loved your idea that the possible Boba Fett appearance doesn't happen until season two. In fact, I love the idea of wrapping up the Mando-specific storylines with episode seven and eight, Baby Yoda, Grief Karga, etc., and leaving Fett for the season two opener. Picture this. After a year-long wait, The Mandalorian 2 opens on Tatooine in the middle of the sail barge assault. The camera follows the action as we know it from Return of the Jedi, but when Fett rolls down the sand into the mouth of the Sarlacc, we follow him down and watch him battle back up to the surface, escape the Sarlacc, and gaze out over the wreckage of the sail barge. This may be a little bit fan fiction-y, but I think it'd be a great reintroduction to the character and could set the tone for season two. How do you think it would be best to reintroduce him? Finger crossed that y'all love the Mando and the Rise of Skywalker. Cheers, Colton. Um, That would be sick. Oh my goodness, that would be sick. Uh, I do feel like that would be one of those things that I would love. I'm sure there's plenty of other people that would love, but I can also see people being real mad because that does seem to contradict the aftermath books, but I don't care. I don't care at all. Give me my Boba boy. Give him to me. John Favreau, Dave Filoni. Do it, buddies. Come on, man. Do it. Please. Yes, Colton. I think that would be awesome, buddy. All right, next up, we have another one from Willis. So let's get ready. It says, Ahoy hoy. In the last episode, you questioned if the Mando can take his helmet off during sex. Do you think we could see a sex scene in the Mando which says, in which the Mando says, hold on a minute, I need some protection. And when he returns, he's taken his helmet off and wrapped a condom over his head. May the force. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, I think we'll see that. <laughs> All right, Steven. You better get to, to sketching, buddy. He's got another one for you. Mando with a condom over his head. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I thought this was going to go that he had like a a smaller Mandalorian helmet for his, his wiener. That's where I thought this was going to go, but nope. No, sir. Willis took it into a complete different direction. I love it. All right. <clears throat> we've got a voicemail from our buddy DeMarcus. I don't think we've heard from him in a little bit. DeMarcus sends in some classic voicemail. Having a good old time, drinking his wine, swinging around his lightsaber. Uh, which for once is not a, a euphemism for anything. He was really swinging around his lightsaber. Uh, all right, let me get this pulled up. Let's hear what he has to say. This is our buddy Marcus. What's up, Haas and Will? It is your buddy Demarcus. I'm back from the wilderness. I finally got my phone fixed so I can actually, uh, you know, record voice memos again. So I uh, just wanted to talk about just briefly just this massive bukkake of Star Wars that we're getting right now. It's amazing. It's I think this is how it should be done, marketing-wise, future-wise, whatever. Instead of having, even though I would love a Star Wars movie every year, but having it, like, doing thing, doing it like this, where it's, you have a dry period for a year, year and a half, but then, in the lead-up, you just drop every piece of Star Wars content you can. You drop a Star Wars bomb in those last three months. You know, like, this was, I'm not sure how intentional this was but to drop the first ever live action series the first triple a star wars game in years you know over 10 years however long and then the rise of skywalker uh a month and a, a month and a week later it's it's genius like again i'm not sure how like marketing wise or anything how intentional it was to drop it all together like how far in planning that was but this is how they should do things you know, whenever in 2021, when they dropped the, you know, first movie in that, what may be a trilogy, you line up a game to drop with that, line up the next, you know, live action series to drop with that. Like this should be their model, their plan, because it's genius. I love it. Um, yeah, I just uh, I miss you guys. Well, I've been listening every week still. Um, the Mandalorian is amazing. Um, I've already gone pretty long and that's so why I want to dive into that. Cause that's a whole another voice memo but um yeah it's i'm just loving life right now it's amazing i got ready for work this morning excited it's the thursday of the rise of skywalker so yeah i'm um i just got to get through work i just got to make it through work so i don't know i know this is like scatter it's going all over the place but i'm just excited it's gonna be an awesome day and um may the force be with you guys Thanks for calling in, DeMarcus. It's always lovely to hear from you, buddy. I don't know. Unfortunately, I don't know when the next time will be that we get such a deluge of Star Wars content. Boom, 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 back to back. <clears throat> and I'll be honest, I feel like lucky. And maybe this will put me in the the non-cool kids club. But I feel lucky to come <laughs> come out of this season liking all the big stuff we've gotten 
I like Jedi Fallen Order a lot. I love The Mandalorian. I like The Rise of Skywalker. I like The Rise of Kylo Ren comic. Like, I don't know. I feel lucky. And I'm and I'm I know I'll probably look back at sort of this era having so much Star Wars stuff to consume that I enjoyed. I have a feeling I'll look back on it fondly and be like, man, wish that would happen again. Uh I think I don't know how much of it is like 100% intentional, like thought out way in advance, but you know, like I said in the the email earlier, you know, I, I feel like they wanted that big flagship live action show for to launch alongside Disney Plus. Um, and then if you notice, it seems like Star Wars video games do release around the new movies. And I think it's so that they play off of each other. Like people are hyped about a new Star Wars movie coming out. Oh, there's a new Star Wars game. I want to check that out and vice versa. Right. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if at minimum, when the 2022 movie comes around, we get some sort of Star Wars game around that time. I'm, I'm expecting Jedi Fallen Order 2 in 2021. So, you know, maybe something else in 2022. But <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised. And if the Mando's still going in three years, I guess that would put it in, see, season one, 2019. Season two, 2020. Season three, 2021. Season four, if they if they go all the way to a season four, it could line up where we get the Mando season four, a new video game, and a new Star Wars movie all right there. Boom, 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 all in a row. So that could be cool. I didn't think about that till now. All right. Next up, we have an email from Paul Henderson. Ooh, this is a long one. Ooh, okay. Dear Halls and Will, I'm a longtime listener and I love your show. I'm a big fan of your positive outlook on Star Wars, which is why I'm hoping you can walk me back from the ledge regarding The Rise of Skywalker. I have loved every Star Wars movie Disney has put out up until this one. I really wanted to love this movie, but I cannot stop feeling largely disappointed by it. The pacing seems rushed and clunky, and it seems to me that the character growth and thematic storytelling was sacrificed for a fast-paced and action-packed treasure hunt in the vein of National Treasure. I feel like I could get over these personal gripes and still enjoy the movie if it wasn't for a reoccurring pattern I started to notice early on in the movie. Maybe I'm crazy, but it appears to me that many plot points in this film are a direct response to the fan backlash from The Last Jedi. I noticed it right away when the movie begins with an extended training montage of Rey. A common complaint from fans who dislike The Last Jedi is that Rey is so powerful, but they never see her train. At first I brushed it off, but as the movie continued, I kept seeing details like this one, and it completely took me out of the movie. It's almost like J.J. decided to write his screenplay based on the YouTube videos and Reddit threads made by the chodes still complaining about The Last Jedi two years later. Here are some of the instances that I noticed this happening. So I'll say, before we get into your, your sort of bullet points, buddy, I know that a lot of people have felt that way, and I don't know one way or the, the other, honestly, what it is. Uh, if you feel that way, I'm not going to discount anybody's feelings. Um, you know, I don't, I personally, I don't know that it's that I don't feel that it's that way, or I don't want it to be that way. So I just try to view it differently. So, you know, 
I don't know, man. It's complicated. It's weird. Like, and I totally get why people would feel that way. And I don't think that's invalid. But like I said, I think for my personal enjoyment of Star Wars, that I've just had to view it differently. So hopefully I can rock walk you back on this. Now, I'll say this. I don't think the Ray training sequence was a response to the Ray shouldn't be so powerful thing, which I agree with you has always been ridiculous. Uh, if anything, I could see maybe the whole Palpatine relation being more of a response to that than the training sequence. To me, the training sequence pays off with the plot of the movie because when you first see her training, she's floating uh, with all the rocks around her, which I thought was pretty badass, by the way. And she's trying to contact the Jedi of the past, right? So I feel like that training sequence syncs up with that ending moment of the the movie when she is successful in contacting them. So I don't think that is necessarily some sort of dig at the character of Rey or anything that was done in The Last Jedi. Um, and I also think it sort of plays into the beginning of the movie where they're... Um, they're struggling. Like Poe really wants her out there in the field with him, but she's training, working on fixing her lightsaber, becoming more of a Jedi because she's prepared. She knows eventually she's going to come face to face with Kylo again, and she wants to be ready for that. So that one, you know, I can get behind. Uh, so here we go. The last Jedi haters often complain about Rose Tico and say she is a pointless character. I very much disagree with this thought, but in this movie, she is completely sidelined and has nothing to do, ironically making her a pointless character in the movie. I demand justice for Rose. Now, buddy, this is one of those points where I, I don't have a counterpoint. I just have to agree with you. They sidelined her character. It's my biggest complaint about the movie. I'm not a huge fan of the Palpatine reveal, but I've learned to live with it. I still would have preferred she just be... Ray from nowhere, nobody or whatever. She's just the new chosen one. But it's, you know, and I, I realize not everybody's going to be able to do this and that's fine. But it's the thing that I've been able to come to peace with most of all. And I think mainly it's because at least they didn't try to make her Luke's kid or Han and Leia's kid through some even more complicated means. I still think that would have been a terrible idea after the first two movies. Uh, if you wanted to do that, then you establish that in the first movie, you know, you establish that more clearly in the first movie. And I don't feel like it ever was. So, uh, I, I gotta agree with you. The Rose thing sucks and it's my biggest problem with the movie. Another common complaint is that there's no backstory to Snoke. Well, they answered that one pretty early on as well, showing a couple of Snokes floating like some turds in a back to tank. Now the Snoke thing, once again... Um, I don't hold that. I don't think that's necessarily a slight against The Last Jedi as it is more expanding on stuff from The Last Jedi. Um, because we've always had this thing out there with Kylo touching the helmet or not touching the helmet, but like talking to the helmet and saying, show me again the dark side or whatever. And, you know, 
very clearly that wasn't going to be Anakin. Anakin went back to the light side. So there was always the question of how did that go about? And tying that in with Palpatine and Snoke and the Vader helmet and all the voices in Kylo's head, to me that just sort of expands on Snoke from the first two movies and also um, adds an interesting element to the Emperor being in the movie. So I don't necessarily think that's a slight against The Last Jedi. Lately, I have been seeing the complaint that the trio of Rey, Finn, and Poe do not spend enough time together. Last I checked, a trio was not a prerequisite of a Star Wars movie, but J.J. decided to address that all the same with a bunch of cheesy three-way huggy and team building. Now Now this one, once again, I don't think is necessarily... Um, uh, you know, a slight or anything against the Last Jedi, and it's one that I—it's an element of the movie that I really enjoyed—is the three of them interacting. I thought that was a lot of fun, and it does remind me of you know the bits in the original trilogy when the group is mainly together and intact. You know, I—I I had a lot of fun with those moments. They're some of my favorite moments. Um, so that one didn't really bother me and I don't know. And, and, you know, maybe this is just, I guess different stuff grabs different people's attention, but I don't know that I really saw that so much as a complaint coming out of it. If it was, I just didn't register it because our group being split up is so common in star Wars. Like you mentioned, like the group is split up in empire, uh, at the beginning of the movie, and then they never reunite until Return of the Jedi. But it's really cool when they reunite. Uh, and then they split up again. Luke goes to face Vader in Return of the Jedi. And it takes a while before, you know, Leia, Luke, and Han are all together in A New Hope. So I, I yeah, I, know, I don't know if I ever saw that so much as a complaint about The Last Jedi. All right. Uh, later in the movie, Luke stops Rey from showing throwing her lightsaber into the fire with a cheeky line about treating the weapon with more respect, hearkening back to when he threw the saber over his shoulder. I know you addressed this one in your reaction podcast, and and this may just be Luke showing his character growth, but paired with all these other examples, it appears that this movie is throwing some not-too-subtle shade at Ryan Johnson and The Last Jedi. So this is, when I saw the movie, I had a very initial, similar initial reaction to you, where I was like, oh, is that some sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, diss at Last Jedi? And maybe it is. I hope it's not. And like I said, when we when I first read, started reading your email, that's kind of how I've just chosen to approach this movie is like viewing it at a different angle from a certain point of view, if you will. Uh, and I've chosen to view that scene as just character growth for Luke because he does admit that he was wrong you know, to go hide on Octu. So, and I don't think that is a slight against Ryan Johnson because it would also be a slight against J.J. Abrams because J.J. is who had Luke go and hide out on Octu. That's a story element that he introduced, right? So I think this is just character development and growth for Luke, but I gotta say, one of the weakest, worst deliveries by Mark Hamill of a Star Wars line. Especially coming off of The Last Jedi where he was so good. 
All right. Uh, a few other quick examples I noticed are Kylo reforging his shattered helmet, the flashback showing that Luke trained Leia in the Force, and the tacky line addressing the Holdo maneuver. Um, Kylo reforging his shattered helmet. Maybe Kylo, I don't know. Maybe JJ just likes the look of the character in that helmet. And I do think the new helmet looked cool. And I like that it was, they found a nice balance of with the helmet on and with the helmet off in the movie. The helmet stuff didn't really bother me. Uh, but once again, I'm biased because I think it looks really cool. The reforged helmet. And maybe there's some deeper character meaning behind that, that where, you know, Kylo, I don't know what it could be. I'm bad at that kind of stuff, but I'm sure there's something you could could uh, work out there. The flashback showing Luke train Leia in the Force, that never bothered me, and I never dis- assumed that as being against The Last Jedi because Luke, Leia starting to train with the Force and then stopping because of being pregnant with Kylo or with Ben um, has already been established, you know, in books and things and other materials. So I never thought twice about that being some kind of um, slide against The Last Jedi, but maybe that's also because of how I approached The Last Jedi where I didn't think the concept of Leia using the force to pull herself back into the ship was bad. I'm not a huge fan of the execution of it, but the concept and the fact that she can do it doesn't bother me one bit. Um, so maybe that's just because of how I approached the last Jedi personally, that showing the flashback didn't bother me. Um, and, um, okay. The Holdo maneuver line, Bad line. Bad line in the movie. There's no doubt about it. It just seems corny. Seems unnecessary. Like, but I guess if you show a movie where a lady can light ski speed through a giant starship and destroy it, cut it in half like that. Like, I guess maybe, just maybe I can see the need to address, um, why don't we just do that in this battle? But on the other hand, I think instead of being like, no, nah, the whole move is one in a million. That'll never work. Like, I think a better way to address it, if you were to had to do that line in the movie would be, um, yeah, maybe we don't all just go out there and start like killing ourselves, hyperspeed jumping through star destroyers. How about we try to think of a better approach? Uh, the Holdo maneuver is, like a, like a break glass in case of emergency type deal. I feel more than like a commonly employed uh, maneuver. So yeah, bad line, hard to disagree there. All right, uh, the last example is one that I cannot find it in myself to for- forgive. And that is the backstory of Ray. I could not believe what I was hearing when Ray Kylo reveals to Ray that she's a Palpatine in such underwhelming fashion. Just like that, this movie completely disregards and contradicts the entire point of the last movie. It reminds me of when we see when I went to see Terminator Three, which took a big dump on Terminator 2's theme of no fate of but what but what we make. It turned out the message of the previous movie was bullshit and the characters could not stop Judgment Day and their fate was not actually in their own hands. 
This is what that moment felt like. Like J.J. Abrams took a big old Terminator 3 style dump on Ryan Johnson's film. The Last Jedi may not be my favorite Star Wars movie. It's right up there with my, may be my favorite Star Wars movie. Uh, it is right up there with The Empire Strikes Back. It's such a beautifully made film. Every scene and detail in that movie reinforces the major themes of the movie. Learn from the failures of the past. Save what you love rather than fight what you hate. The duality of light and dark in every person. And lastly, anyone can be a hero. I think this is why so many people find and enjoy the movie more after every rewatch. It is constantly reinforcing the messages of the film. I also found it so refreshing that Ray was the hero, not because of her bloodline, but because of her actions. I find it ironic that J.J. abandoned this message for a cheesy plot point considering his movie does not seem to have a theme of its own. Maybe you can help me with that. Do you know what the themes of The Rise of Skywalker is supposed to be? Perhaps I can enjoy this movie more if I could just identify what messages it's trying to convey to us. Buddy, this is a tough one for me because I don't like it either, but I've learned to live with it. It's why this will never be like a perfect Star Wars movie for me. You know, I think this movie will constantly fall somewhere <coughs> in the middle of an overall ranking for me. A ranking of movies I all I like all of them. So there's not one I dislike and I'm lucky. I realize that in that regard I'm lucky. Um I also feel like you should have like this question is is better for someone smarter than me like the themes of this movie. Like I feel like there's so many people I know that could address this much more intelligently. Um guess the theme of this movie sort of just takes the idea of that anyone can be a hero and twists it slightly um when i've talked to people about this movie i say you know <clears throat> at the very least at the absolute very least they didn't make her some kind of direct descendant to anybody they kind of got the explanation under a technicality because her parents were nobodies, right? But not her granddaddy. Still, not my favorite thing. So I, I guess the theme of this is what what Leia says to Ray when she's leaving the resistance base, which is, um, don't be afraid of who you are, right? She says something like that. And while I don't enjoy the story of someone can come from nowhere from an unimpressive background or bloodline and become the chosen one and bring balance to the force and help Ben Solo be redeemed. Uh, while I don't like it as much as that, I do find the idea that you can basically be the descendant of one of the worst people in galactic, hi galactic history and toss aside <clears throat> that legacy and embrace <clears throat> your own legacy and be a good person dis despite who your ancestors are. I find that okay as far as compelling goes, right? I would have preferred they went the other way, though. <clears throat> Anyways, I apologize for this overly, overly long rant. I think I just needed someone to vent to and get these feelings off my chest. There were a lot of things in this movie I thought were great. 
There were some fantastic space battles, funny moments, and great action scenes. I loved the scene with Rey and Kylo slash Ben Solo. I wish we were given some more time with Ben Solo after his turn to the light. I found light side Ben to be the most compelling character in the movie, despite the fact that he doesn't have a line of dialogue in the last hour of the movie. I do plan on going to see the movie again. Perhaps I'll enjoy it more now that I know what to expect. Please your po- use your powers of posi- positivity to help me love this movie and keep up the great work. Well, buddy, I hope I, could, I hope I helped. I don't know if I did. And if you come away not liking this movie, it's okay, man. Like, don't let anybody bring you down for that. I feel like your complaints are completely reasonable. It's not a situation where <clears throat> there's a bunch of douchey, unreleased, unreasonable complaints being made about a Star Wars movie like we've seen in the past. You know, I do feel like a lot of people's complaints are reasonable. They just, with the exception of a couple of them, the Rose one being the main one for me, they just don't bother me as much, you know? And I think everybody's mileage will vary on that. Uh, P.S. Did you ever get around to reading your fan fiction on the pod? Back in the early days of the podcast, I sent you a five-star review demanding to know when we were getting it. I think you even brought it up on one of the shows. Maybe you remember. If it has not happened yet, I look forward to hearing it. (coughs) It's going to happen. We got to do it. You know what? I think we're going to end up having a lot of uh, extra podcast time in the next few months because Star Wars stuff is going to close, not close down, but slow down. And maybe that's the best time to do that. There's just a certain way we want to do it. And I think it would be best if it's one of those situations where Will is here recording in person um, and we can crack jokes and laugh and have a good time with it. So hopefully I can get him to come into town before too long and we can sit down and do this. We considered doing it um, the night he came in for the Rise of Skywalker, but he ended up having to go home that night and it's a like a two and a half hour drive for him. So he didn't get a chance to record it, understandably. PPS, here's hoping for a Ryan Johnson Star Wars film in 2022. I'm with you on that, buddy. I would love that. PPS, yes, I do recognize the irony of calling out Last Jedi haters in an email complaining about the newest film. I promise to move on like a mature adult if I can't reconcile my complaints with this movie. Buddy, uh, so as far as The Last Jedi quote-unquote haters, I... To me, I I heard a lot of complaints about The Last Jedi from people who I know that I respected, where I was like, okay, I can see where you're coming from. That is a perfectly reasonable complaint, Uh, which is exactly how I felt you approached this movie. Like, personally, when I talk about people shitting on The Last Jedi, it's a very specific brand of last jedi hater that is like a real douchebag i don't feel like you were uh like that with your assessment of the rise of skywalker and if you've seen it again uh you know i hope it sat well with you uh or better with you uh and i'd love to hear what your updated thoughts are Ooh, that was a long one i'm gonna gonna take a sip of my drink all right, so we got a voicemail from our buddy Mark. Let's hear what he has to say. Let me jump up here and get this in. Hey, Oz. Hey, Will. 
Uh, it's been a while since I've been able to listen. Uh, I went on a, uh, a blackout, a podcast blackout, about maybe three months ago, three or four months ago. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I've been I've been listening to uh, my normal round of of us podcast, which is you know Blue Harvest and the Making Star Wars. Uh, now this is podcasting and um, Steel Wars. Rogue One, and, and I just, I was starting to hear more than I wanted to know about the Rise of Skywalker, so I just decided to pull the ejector seat and, and take a break for a while, but I have, I really missed listening, uh, especially to you guys, you, I think, are my favorite of everybody. I started listening to uh, Blue Harvest, uh, I think some, maybe about three or four months after uh, The Force Awakens came out, and I've been listening ever since, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. I mean... I I don't have a ton of people in my life that I can talk about Star Wars with, and I really uh, I really uh, love hearing you guys rap and like two old friends that love the same stuff because I I really wish I had that in my life, and I I just don't. So I, it's a great thing, and I I really love your show, and um, so uh, I loved the Rise of Skywalker. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I really loved it. I've seen it three times. I saw it three times opening weekend, uh, and it got better every single time I saw it. I, I mean, the first time I just was absolutely overwhelmed, and for what it sounds like, that's the way everybody kind of feels about it. And it's a, it's unlike any other Star Wars movie in that respect. I mean, I guess a, a lot like Return of the Jedi uh, in its cutting back and forth between uh, different things happening at the same time, but kind of turned up to 11 um, but, and, and it's, it's messy. It's, it's a beautiful mess. That's what I've been at telling people that ask me how it is. Um, but, but after that first viewing and knowing what to expect when I went back, I, it's just really sank in. And I think, I think it really hits at home. All the important parts in that movie really hit home. Uh, and, and, uh, I, I absolutely love it. I, I just, I cannot believe how good of a job they did with Carrie Fisher uh, of course, it's it's obvious, you know, like you you know she's not around anymore. But they did the absolute best thing they possibly could have, and we got to mourn with our Star Wars family on screen. You know, like she got her funeral. I thought that was really touching. Um, it just was beautiful. I mean, and I, I mean, I was I was weeping. I mean, I was I was a blubbering mess. In many points in this movie, um, I guess a couple things that that, that uh, I guess I want to just have want to get out there. I've heard you guys talking about it and other podcasts talking about it, but not really, you know, going too much into the angle that I see it from. But something to think about um, with Ben Solo's his redemption, uh, obviously. You know he's redeemed, and I didn't ever think that would be possible. Uh, but through Adam Driver's amazing ability as an actor, and just the, the story arc that they gave him. Um, Time to go. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing this at work, uh, and uh, everybody wants to get out of here. I'm letting them go early. <laughs> so, sorry. Um, Ben Solo, his uh, his redemption. Um, there was no other way for him not. I mean, he had to die. I mean, I just just the simple fact of how awkward.
awkward it would have been if he had shown back up at the resistance base with Ray, <laughs> and she's like, "Hey, everybody, this is uh, this is Ben Solo, but he's cool now." I don't think that would have worked out at all. <laughs> it's, um, I guess when I was a kid, I always imagined what it would have been like if Darth Vader had survived, and uh, imagined maybe Vader in all white. I think mm-hmm. uh, a few people probably have, have had that uh, that imagination, but I, I, the, I, I, the only way that that scene at the end could have worked was was Ben dying. Uh, the other thing, uh, the kiss between the two of them didn't bother me in the slightest. I mean, you kind of saw a little bit of that developing between the two of them in The Force Awakens. I'm sorry, uh, Last Jedi. Um, I, you you kind of felt a little bit of a romance there. At least I did. Um, but even still, I mean, there. What's who's to say that there's anything wrong with a, a kiss being non-romantic and just two people appreciating the fact that they're still alive after overcoming such amazing odds, saving the galaxy from evil, winning the war. Um, ben just saved her life, the ultimate sacrifice, or he, he brought her back. And uh, and I just, I, I think it was a nice moment. I mean, there, I, it's just, people get so offended and it's like, it's a kiss. Why is that so offensive to so many people? Um, why are we so angry about that? I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand that, that point of view. I mean, it's just, it's childish. It's silly. Um, why does it have to be romantic? I mean, I, I know that Star Wars has always had its romance. And, and uh, it, was, it was also the same with the, uh, the Rose Finn kiss. And maybe people felt like uh, they, they need to have that little box of, oh, this is romance. This is this needs to be in Star Wars, but why? I just don't understand why it can't be platonic and okay uh, and just poetic more than anything, rather than romantic. Um, but I guess everybody has their little, you know, preconceived notions about what, you know, little boxes they have to check off. Um, what else? I think that's it. Oh, oh, oh! The old lady at the end on Tatooine. I'm, I get I get a little bit of a, a, a sinister vibe from her. I don't know. Like Palpatine said, he's died before. I'm not saying Palpatine <laughs> is coming back again, but if anything, there's the old trope about the evil sorcerer disguised as the elderly, either old witch or old beggar or old man, and it just seemed like she just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and I just thought that was an, an interesting little kind of random thing for just someone to be who, you know, didn't really seem like they were anywhere near close by when Ray landed. Of course, I guess some time lapse but it happens. You could say that time stretch. Maybe she was at the homestead for a while and that just happened to be a passerby that was on her way home to her hole in the ground somewhere. Uh, but still, there was a little bit of a, of a creepy vibe to me to that that could be something probably a stretch i don't know that's about it that's all i got i wish i could talk with you guys like while you're doing your show um i love what you do uh i appreciate uh the insights that you give and and your humor and your perspective it's always positive 
and uh, keep doing what you're doing. I'm looking forward to the future of Star Wars podcasting now the sequel trilogy is over. I know we'll have plenty to talk about with The Mandalorian and Cassie and Andor series and Kenobi coming out, and I'm super excited for all of it. But may the Force be with you guys, uh, and be well. Thanks for calling in, Mark. Um, I mean, you kind of nailed it. Everybody especially with the third movie in the trilogy, everybody has certain things that they wanted to see and certain ways they wanted things to play out. And I think a lot of those are completely valid. And I do think, you know, people saw things in the first two movies that they expected to play out that didn't happen. And those things they saw were correct or valid and they didn't go that way. Or... Maybe there were things that people read too much into in the first two movies. And when things didn't go that way, they were disappointed. It's it's tough. We all love these movies so much that, you know, unfortunately, we're well past the area of common opinion. Like, everybody just being all in on these sort of things. And it's just because the Star Wars fandom is so huge and you have all these different little groups that want different things. And I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, I'm glad you loved it. That's awesome. Consider yourself like lucky like I do that I came away liking it. So, you know, that's awesome. I'm glad you really enjoyed it. I don't think that old lady at the end is up to anything. I think you probably nailed it with her not being around when Ray landed. Like, Ray did her little bobsledding thing and checked out the Lars homestead and then buried the sabers. And she was, she was preoccupied with that. And that's when the old lady had a chance to walk up. Uh, I definitely don't think we'll be seeing Palpatine again. I hope not. If, if, uh, if these stories continue... If we get more post-episode 9, you know, sit down and figure out a good new villain that can stick around for a trilogy or however many movies. You know what I mean? I'm fine with it being another Sith or another Dark Jedi. Totally fine with that. Come up with a explanation. Boom. Uh, one of those Sith cultists survived and learned the dark si- ways of the dark side of the Force. But boom, we're in. You know? Like, I don't need it to be anything crazy. I don't need it to be connected back to Palpatine, let this nine movie saga end with the final destruction of Palpatine. And then the next thing picks up with a new threat because there's going to be new, more movies. We need more bad guys. So, all right. Next up, we have a email from Josiah. Another one. Hey guys, I love the rise of Skywalker. I understand why some didn't, but it just seemed like a ver- every beat worked for me. My question is, my read on Palpatine's plan was that he knew Rey wouldn't turn, but he wanted them both there at the same time so he could rejuvenate himself since that was the only way to come back. Is that what you all thought, or did you think his sucking the life force was almost like a plan B? I think it works much better if his plan all along was to bring them together so he could come back. Thanks. So I will disagree with you, buddy. I don't think that was his plan because he seems surprised when he sucks the life force out of him at first and he starts to rejuvenate. He's like a dyad in the force. Like he seems surprised. So I think that was like a lucky coincidence for Palpatine. I do think his plan was to have Ray 
strike him down in anger and transfer all the spirits of the Sith into her body and make her Empress Palpatine. Um, I think that was the plan. And I think the way he was going about his plan, I, I've kind of made sense of it in my head a little bit. And it's a little sloppy, but so is the movie. And it's not nearly as well thought out as Palpatine's plan in the prequel trilogy. But you also had to fit this whole Palpatine plan into one two-hour and 20-minute movie. But I think his idea is that he is sending Ray, uh, Kylo after Ray because he's trying to break her down and get her into the position where she will strike him down in anger. He's, he's messing with her. And I think he wants Ray to kill Kylo and then come after him. Because when Leia dies and does whatever she does to help Ben out and then Ray heals him, he talks to Commander Pride or General Pride. I just heard something outside. Is there someone outside our house? Um, oh man, I got the paranoids real bad. Uh, he talks to General Pride and he says that the Princess of Alderaan interfered with his plan. So to me, that means <clears throat> I think he wanted to send Kylo after Rey, knowing, and I think he knew all along that Kylo wasn't going to kill Rey. He never wanted him, him to kill her. And I think he knew that either he couldn't or wouldn't, but he was hoping that Rey would lash out in anger and use the dark side to defeat Kylo, which she does. But then Leia steps in and intervenes and she heals him and... So I think that's what it all comes down to. It's it's sloppy, but like I said, I've kind of got it worked out in my in my head in a way that at least makes some sense to me. All right, next up we got an email from Stephen. Hey guys, I was wondering if you all had heard any whispers or gotten any information as to how Luke and Leia learned that Rey was a Palpatine. It seems to be one of those things that if they knew all along, they are pretty shitty people for just leaving her on Jakku the whole time. If they don't know where she was, but knew who she was as soon as she showed up on Dakar, they were making all the same mistakes that Obi-Wan and Yoda made with Luke, and that Luke and Leia then made with Ben. Also, after the feelings of betrayal Luke felt when he wasn't told about his lineage, to do the same to Rey when she was on Octu in, pretty, in The Last Jedi is pretty messed up. All of this is leading to me going tinfoil hat. I'm thinking that Rey actually isn't a Palpatine. It was all just a lie being spread to lure Ray to Exegol. The closest thing we get to confirmation is Sheev calling her granddaughter, but he is a known liar and a manipulator that will say and do anything to maintain his power. For one little lie that she is her grand his granddaughter, he gets this amazing beacon of force power that he can try to live on. As Kane continues and we eventually get in episode 10, which we all know there's a billion reasons to make, it would make far more explanation to continue on with her being a Palpatine such as who's fucking Sheev how did his son get away why did Sheev wait so long if knew, if she knew he existed why was Snoke willing to have her killed and then it would take then it would take for someone or something to say it was a lie from a known liar and now we didn't undo your whole backstory looking forward to your response I, I appreciate your show each week Steve Steve buddy I'm not a huge fan of the Palpatine thing, but I don't want him to change it. I don't want him to keep going back and forth. Like, 
It is what it is now. She's going to be known as Ray Skywalker. She took the name Skywalker. That's what I wanted along all along anyway. So I'm really happy with that. I just wish the Palpatine wrinkle wasn't there. Now, as far as when Leia and Luke knew she was a Palpatine, my theory is that Luke knew when he was doing that training, when he, she's meditating the rock on the rock, and he says, um, you went straight to the darkness, blah, blah, blah. I think that's when he knows. And if I had to guess, Leia figures it out at some point when they're training in between movies and like when they're really connected in the force as like master and apprentice and stuff. Now, as far as why they wouldn't explain that, Luke, I guess you can kind of say that despite that, he still tried to train her and then freaked out when she, he saw her connecting with Kylo and all these things. Um, now, Leia, I don't really understand because they have sort of insinuated that part of the reason for Ben's fall to the dark side is finding out that Vader was his grandfather and that they never told him kind of seems like they've insinuated that. So I don't really get an answer for that. Um, I don't think Palpatine necessarily knew where Ray was, that she was on Jakku. So I think that's part of the thing there is that <clears throat> they didn't know where she was. Because if they did, like he could just send Ochi 2.0 to get her. But her parents tell Ochi that she's not on Jakku. So, I mean, you could reasonably wonder why you don't go and double check. But that's the story that we've been given is that they tell him that and uh, that's where she hides out. So it's I don't think he knows. Um, and I don't know. The Snoke thing is I don't know that he wanted her to to be killed like this whole dark side manipulation thing that like you see with Palpatine and Snoke and other people like I don't know that his final goal was for Ray to be killed but who knows maybe Snoke went rogue like I don't think like Snoke uh, I don't think Palpatine is specifically being controlled like some kind of puppet or avatar of Palpatine as much as he's being influenced or something and maybe Snoke went rogue from his original plans. And that's, you know, part of the reason that Palpatine was fine with him dying. And maybe it was just so close to him being able to enact his final plan. He's just waiting. Um, it is a little messy. The whole Palpatine plan and stuff in 9 is messy. And it's it's hard to deny that. But I don't. Like, they've made that decision. Just stick with it. Well, guys, uh, that wraps it up for Steel Buddy. Thank you so much for joining Will and I this week. Absolutely. And thank you for being on at the same time as myself. Ah, my, my pleasure on both counts. But you've I've totally ruined myself for cleaning the kitchen tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I know how you I know how you feel. I don't I, 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 I don't have a podcast now to listen to. So th thanks for nothing. Um, but yeah, it was awesome to uh chat with you guys and it was uh it was good that we had such a, a a brilliant thing to talk about i i just i i just think the season as a whole was like with with without much flaw yeah you know what i mean like you know yeah. maybe you could um you know, i'm trying to think like the the guy that played uh dash render 
yeah. in, in the Tatooine episode. Um, you know, maybe you could fault him. I, I kind of liked his um, that that acting style for that character. I I, 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 I had really enjoyed it. Did you hear he came out and bashed um, the Rise of Skywalker? Like, Will called me abs- about it. I sent Haas a text message like, dude, you're going to love this. Guess who the Mandalorian actor is? Yeah. And it was old Doucher, Doucher McGee. It was such a dick about it. Yeah. Yep. Like, so, I, uh... so with, like, like you just had, like, so without grace. It's like, to, way like... to make sure you never work for Disney again. I mean, just because they, they, you're going to trash talk whatever you do. And it's like, so wait, I hope he doesn't like then find out that you can do autographs for fifty bucks a piece at celebration. <laughs> but like just like if you didn't like it, that's one thing. But to really go out of your way to diss like a company that you just worked for. Like 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 do you know what I mean? It's not like it makes you, you seem ha- like an ungrateful shithead. Yeah, and you don't really have like it's it's not your duty as an honest person to give out your like unrelenting like thoughts about a movie. Like he's he's not known for his movie takes. Right. No. You're you're an actor. You're not Ebert and Roper. So yeah, that was just and and also read the room, buddy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um yeah, as as a as a whole um whole deal i I would be interested i I know you're probably uh gonna do it next week from what i hear about your uh your viewing habits while you work whores but um yeah i'd be interested to do a a sit down and just watch it all in one chunk that would be very fun yep that's what i have on deck for some some point next week probably wednesday or thursday i'll try to do that and uh i will report back um so, buddy, why don't you tell everybody, if they haven't already, where they can check you out? Uh, sure. I do a podcast called Steel Wars, and we do in-depth interviews with uh, Star Wars people of note and fans and uh, creators. And then we also do a lot of other like general talking about Star Wars. We've been doing the, the Mandalorian episode breakdowns, the chit chats, which we do on YouTube and on podcast. Horse has been in most of those. And uh, yeah, so, and you can follow us at Steel Wars on the main social media hubs. No, um, had to shut down the Friendster. It's, mm. it's, it's done. No Vero or whatever that was that was hot no. for like two weeks? Nah, nah, no, no. <laughs> No, no TikTok, unfortunately. But um, yeah, what a what a what a what a high, what an amazing um, bit of Star Wars that Mandalorian was. They're they're impressed. Did um, we we didn't really like broke. Like it was an episode of such such so many things that sort of major things happened. We didn't even talk about, but um, we got his name. Yeah, Din Jaren. Yeah, it's just like I, it, it it's such a credit to that episode and those last two episodes that they gave us, like, I don't really have, apart from seeing Yoda's, I feel like every question, Oh, we don't know about the helmets, why they took, put the helmets on. That's the lingering question. Oh yeah. And, and why there's a difference between that and like clone wars and rebels. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I feel like all the questions I had from the first episode, everything else has been answered except for that one. Yeah, and I I like your theory the best that it's just the, that particular sect of Mandalorians because we've seen that there's different approaches to being a Mandalorian within that creed or whatever, be it Death Watch or these guys or, you know, the... Sabine's family that we see in Rebels. I like that theory. Or maybe it was a response to the Purge. You know, maybe that's something they didn't adopt until after the Purge, even. Who knows? Mm. Well, guys, <laughs> thanks for listening. If you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They are Stoned Cobra, and you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Leave us a five-star iTunes review if you haven't already. And if you want to support the podcast for as little as $3 a month, check out our Patreon page. We've got a bonus show with our buddy Steel, which also shows up on his Patreon. We've got one with King Tom. We've got uh, Star Wars Adventures with Robbo and Jesse. And we've got... Uh, I'm missing a bunch. Steve versus the prequels and a whole bunch of other cool stuff. So check that out at Blue Harvest or Patreon.com slash blue harvest podcast and we'll see you guys next week until then this has been blue harvest and i'm halls burkhart and i'm will witten may the force be with you may the force be with all of you may the force be with us